Hello, boys, gals, trans, and ungendered pals. Welcome to Nightcaps at the Theater. You've caught us with our pants down in the middle of our, or at the start of our, amuse-bouche segment. And so, uh, yeah, we're in, herein, we just talk about recent pop culture stuff that have happened to us or that we've happened upon in the past uh, two weeks or so, two or three weeks. And um, sometimes it's relevant, sometimes it's topical. Uh, but always, it's a good ass time. Mm. And uh, I have a, a a couple of other people with me. How about you uh, introduce yourselves first, and then I'll figure out what I'm going to say for mine. I'm Huzzah and all that shit. My name is Jonathan Kwiatkowski. I'm Mark Zebra Jr. At least until the Fire Nation came. <laughs> and I am Matt Cabrera, aka, uh, or actually, in fact, that Mobile, Alabama man who snuck into an AMC during quarantine and survived purely on their snacks for days before being found. Oh, that truly does sound like your life story brought, you know, into pu- public eye for once. The news story that I read just mentioned that this man was lying down in the theater. So I don't <laughs> get a few too many mozzarella sticks. You know, that kind, of, that kind of sounds like your wet dream right there. Yeah. It's true. Oh, man. <laughs> if that man ever gets a movie made after him, we know a person who could play the lead role. <laughs> Uh, or the stunt double, at least. Yeah, a real method actor in our midst. <laughs> uh, let's know. see. So I guess we uh, begin with our first segment. Let's begin at the beginning with uh, Shut Up Weeb. Shut Up Weeb. A classic segment, of course. Um, do you mind if I start? <laughs> Go right ahead, John. All right. I've got a lot to say today. And I mean, of course, before we start, we got to bring up what's going on in the world. Crazy, crazy stuff. Oh, Do um, we? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we have to with the little platform being a milk crate that we stand on. People rely on us for this information and for our opinions. We didn't make it to 175 in Japan for no reason, Mark. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm. Um, I just want to say, if you have the available funds, please donate to the Minnesota Freedom Fund and the Brooklyn Bailout Fund. Uh, Both funds are really close to our hearts uh, with everything going on in the world right now. Uh, I just want to, you know, people to be seen. Even on the airwaves, we do see you. I don't see color. (laughs) I guess that's a good thing. (laughs) I joke, obviously. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And we do this podcast to entertain. So that's all I wanted to say. Now shut up, weeb. (laughs) All right. Shut up, weeb. The first thing that I watched this week had to be She-Ra and the Princesses of Power had its final season. And I like to entitle this season Lesbians in Space, and it was good. A-plus material. I love it. I love these characters that are gay, that are, you know, for... They're not for the profit of the audience, but they're just, you know, there for real good reasons. I don't know if that came out right, but it's a good It's a good season. It's a good show. I enjoy it. I think it's clever, it's funny, and it has characters that are likable all around. Nice. So, yeah, cool. I recommend Nice. Uh, my next thing in Shut Up Weeb, and I'm going to see if I can get this title right in one time, the first go, is Puella Magica Madoka Magica Record A Side Story. Good lord. <laughs> oh, they had. Kingdom Hearts. No. <laughs> they had their third movie come out finally? No, it's not a movie, and we've had the third movie. It's uh, The third movie's been out. This is a side series that premiered in September that I just recently got to watch because of quarantine. It's like 13 episodes. 
in an alternate timeline from our regular Pola Magi Madoka Magica series. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought that there were too many characters. Um, they don't seem to have the uh, the spotlight shown on them as we did in the first series with our five major characters. So that's a little bit of a detractor. And I thought that it's a little bit hit and miss. It's slow going. It has been renewed for a season two, though, which I'm very excited about because I love the world of these characters. I love magical girls and dark, gritty environments. Um, I feel like it could go a little bit deeper, but season two has ended with this cult of magical girls. So hopefully that's where this is going. All right. Yeah, cool. so I'm excited. I like Does it still have that magical girls? Does it still have that dark grittiness that the oh, original yeah. has? Yeah, instead of witches, now they fight witches and rumors. I, I forget the weird name. They they call it like a weird Japanese thing. Oh, so um, it's not actual rumors. Well, no, it is. It's like if you write your name on the third step and then the person's name who you hate on the fourth step, your friendship will be over and these rumors take physical uh, forms going. It, it's a weird show. But so I, it has no relation to rumors, the famous album from Fleetwood Mac? No, unfortunately not. I would be the first to pick up on that. But no, it does not. But I think that's I, rumors with a U. Ah, <laughs> mm. uh, the old British spelling of rumors. <laughs> um, yeah, so Magical Record, it's, it's a watch. I do enjoy the original series a lot better. This is based on the mobile games, but only based on by using similar characters. Ah, uh, yes, the famous mobile games. Yeah, well, <laughs> they are actually quite profitable. <laughs> uh, but yeah, magical record. And I guess I'll shut up now. That's my shut up weed segment concluded. Cool. Matt, do you have anything? Oh, you know I don't. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll go then. Uh, I got two things to talk about. A new um, thing that just made the rounds on Netflix is a little anime act called Doro Hedoro. It's a. Mm -hmm. uh, this has been in uh, Netflix um, hell for, for a while here, at least for, like, I guess for Western audiences. I, this came out, like, months and months ago. It's, it would make it, it made the rounds on Twitter. It caught my attention. And uh, this is... It's basically, like, a new version of, I want to say, JoJo's. Okay. Uh, it, it's It's... It takes place in, I guess, in like two different worlds. Like one's like not unlike the other, like from ours, where sorcerers from their dimension come over to ours and just kind of fuck around and like turn people's heads into like animals, or like you know, so. It starts like a guy who has amnesia, who has a lizard head. Aren't <laughs> animes weird? <laughs> yeah, you know, I I kind of like this one. It's it's very bizarre, you know. It it's very weird, you know, and. uh yeah, it it you kind of like kind of gravitate towards like the villains of uh, this series as well. They, they so it, it it starts a dude who's like try, who's killing sorcerers because it, one apparently turned him uh, turned his head into a, into a giant lizard monster, and uh, so he's palling around with his other woman who who like makes uh, who uh, these kind of like dumplings for him, but they also go out and they just kind of like try and like figure out who did this to him. And uh, mystery ensues, but it's also very funny. And like you kind of almost root for the villains sometimes there too, just because of their like wacky antics and them trying to find uh, this uh, the protagonist here as well, who's like going after them. So it's kind of like a, a cat and mouse type venture. And it's only like twelve episodes long. 
Um, and, and yeah, it, it kind of blends 3D and 2D animation with each other, and it's not that jarring. I kind of root for it. It kind of, it, it, if anything, it actually like, it needs that those two styles to blend with each other. Uh, and yeah, yeah, it, it's got a cool OP too, which I'm uh, I'm, I'm a favorite of. Uh, I love my uh, I love my Japanese openers. Uh, <laughs> well, animes, in case you don't know, tend to have them, Mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just so also, you know. Also, uh, just that in terms of like the translation of this of the title of the show, it, it, it I think it translates to blood vomit. Ooh, which well, is that's yeah. what I did last night. <laughs> Which yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a deep dive into it after uh, I finish the series. I don't know if it, I have I haven't. Uh, there's three more episodes I need to watch, uh, but uh, it's it, it's it's very entertaining. I like it. It's it's a uh, it's a good romp. Uh, and yeah, I I'll probably talk about it uh, next time uh, I finish it. So mm. yeah, cool. And I uh, want an octopus head if I had an animal head. There there is a man with an octopus head that that runs like a beer shop who just like oh. slu- it's it's basically Doctor Zoeberg. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot going on in this. It's uh it, it's one you really need to check out to like kind of form your own opinion about. It's very weird, but I like it. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, next one up, I guess I needed to talk about this, or at least I had to watch it. You better. But, uh, it's uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. Oh, so good, so good. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched this. Oh no, not you too. Yeah, I, I watched six episodes, so no spoilers past the six episodes, please. <laughs> we oh, can that... only wait five years for your end review. I won't talk about many spoilers because I didn't finish season three. Oh, what? Um, yeah, yeah, it didn't happen. Oh my god, I'm I'm fuming. Well, I'm I'm gonna finish it. I just oh, okay. you know, I just haven't. Oh, all right. I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm I'm that I'm that close to it. I might as well. But that's right. not like saying like oh I ha- like I have to you know, like begrudgingly. Uh, but uh, no, I, I I do like this uh, the series. Uh, it's definitely for the time it came out. I guess two thousand three, two thousand four. So the animation kind of shows its age a bit. And watching it in like the the aspect ratio is a little jarring as well. You know, it's it's gonna be, appeal to those people that want to watch, you know, Simpsons and that kind of ratio as well. Yeah, but yeah. That, uh, but that but that also makes sense just because you know the complaints that came around it too, the sight gags and all that stuff. Uh, for this, uh, you know, it's 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 I like it. I I, I really do. I, I know I'm re- I'm repeating myself a bit here, but uh, it's it's definitely where that it's that fine line where it can appeal to both a young and um, I, I I guess an, an older audience. So I, I I really do appreciate the the kind of like morals and the, the story structure as well. You know that you're following a very young cast of characters here, like like within like their their preteens, I guess like twelve, thirteen, something like that. And I really do like Aang here. Like he can he can almost come off as annoying just because of his like his uh, his nature but like no that's that's actually like a testament to his character as well where like he's he, just the eternal optimist like that and like he's still very young and then the whole reason why circumstances were the way they were is because of his own youth and wanting to keep that without really spoiling spoiling too much and uh yeah you know i i, I don't really understand Sokka sometimes yeah. Because I, I I do I do I do like him like when when you see a lot of his growth like as the the series kind of like keeps moving, but like he, he's such like a ladies man at times where it almost feels like unbelievable. It's like really Sokka, <laughs> but uh 
No, uh, and and uh, Katara is really uh, really cool as well. She's very endearing. Um, and I, I, I had questioned it at first because I was seeing a bunch of like out of context, uh, I guess memes maybe, yeah. uh, with, 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 with Toph. Well, and I, and I was, I was hesitant to think like, oh man, I'm not going to like her. But as soon like with the first episode, she came out, I was like, I, I really like her. And, yeah. and, and, and it only like goes forward a little bit more too i like I like her dynamic and how that changes the group as well in season two mm-hmm. so and I, I can't wait for it to, to keep going and I, I and i do like the the anthology episode in season two as well like yeah. when they're uh they're, they're in that city and um um tales from uh bossing say yeah, yeah yeah and uh uncle yeah. and uh uncle ira is he almost favorite character either him yeah. it's him or appa <laughs> well, Appa. Uh, Appa's we a, all stand Appa. Appa's a scene stealer, and and, yeah. and uh, or, yeah, or even uh, even Momo at times. Yeah. Um. You know that that's 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 a lot you can get out of like like just two animal characters that actually have a, a lot of gravitas and add a lot of emotion to the group as well. Mm. And uh, yeah, I, I I really do like it. Um, I'm yeah. I'm kind of disappointed I never get to grow up with it. I pro- oh. I probably won't watch Legend of Korra after I finish it. I've I've seen um, enough clips and enough arguments from people to I, I mean I, I've seen it from both sides, but like I, I don't know. It, it it seems like a very far departure from where Avatar would come, opposed to where where Korra is as well. I don't know. It's it seems a very different kind of atmosphere, but also that in terms of character as well. Mm. It, it is different having grown up with both and you can hear this on my other podcast anime was not a mistake where we went into a little bit of a an avatar bender for a few minutes um it is different I, I think, yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's different but i think you might enjoy the differences so perhaps if you like really enjoy the ending and the ending to the original avatar is fucking good mm-hmm. uh to put it lightly so i i'm glad that you're sticking with it um, I'm glad that you, I mean, you do seem like a, a tough person that would really enjoy tough. Yeah. I, first glance I, I wasn't really liking Zuko at first until like you give him some more time to breathe and like yeah. where he's and coming then Azula from. Azula comes in. Uh, I fucking hate Azula. Oh I my know, God. That's how you're supposed to feel. Or like, just like from even, even like in the flashbacks too, it's like, my God, like where did that come from? Even, even like their mom says like, what is wrong with that girl? <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> Jesus, uh, but uh, no, and, and you know, I'm picking up a lot of like the voices that that uh that are here as well. Um, yeah, um, Dante Basco plays Zuko is Rufio from Hook, which yep. I'm I'm a big fan of. Um, I, you can definitely hear it as well. I don't, his voice hasn't even changed, which is bizarre. But uh, I, but uh, I I really like him. Uh, uh, I oh, Katara here is actually voiced by by Anne from Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And Vale, <laughs> man, egg, <laughs> uh, and yeah, you know, and uh, even in terms of the voice actor community, it's 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 even pleasant to hear some of these voices as well. Um, Momo and uh, Appa are voiced both by Dee Bradley Baker, which is nice. Who also voices all the clones in Clone Wars. So there's a lot of. I mean, I I talked about Dave Filoni before, but he has a lot of involvement here in, in terms of season one. I think that's why he was taken away from the show when it when it when it kept going when uh, george lucas was like i want you to work on my show it's like oh okay and a lot of that 
is pulled from this show over to there and just how much involvement he has in terms of directing and storyboarding here. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I, I can't wait to finish it. So I probably in, in the, in the week to come, I'll, I'll have it all, have it all, uh, mapped out for me. I can't wait. All right. Cool. Yep. Nice. All right. And now it's time for our next segment. That is TV court. And Uninterrupted. Oh yeah. <laughs> the totally no pauses there. The microwave has been unplugged. It's been thrown out the window. <laughs> the microwave. Over. Microwave giveth and taketh away. It's been run over by a semi truck, steamrolled. Pilot, nothing to worry about. Driven by me. <laughs> uh, and speaking of TV court, I hope there's a, a certain police officer that we bump into while oh we're boy. while we're pleading our case, <laughs> uh, being taken away in cuffs. But uh, anyway, speaking of speaking of cuffs, uh, I'll begin with this segment. Uh, yeah, speaking of cuffs and, uh, I, I don't know, anarchy, uh, I finished, or I guess I, I caught up on La Casa de Papel, Ooh. aka Money Heist. The house yeah. of paper. Indeed. It's, um, yeah, I, I don't want, I don't like calling it Money Heist because I don't like enabling like the, the English translation, the English audio, because, uh, I did, you know, switch on Netflix, I switched to the dub for uh, for like ten minutes briefly, and it is just so bad. Yeah, I, it, you know, if anybody's watching the show and you're watching the dub, you're doing a disservice to yourself and to the cast. It's, I mean, you know, that's always how it goes with dubs, but really, like, uh, please try to watch it subbed. It's uh, it's so much richer, better like, or worse than than most uh, Godzilla translated movies. No, I haven't. I don't think I've seen any. Oh, you're I've missing only seen out. American Godzillas. Because uh, I suck. You should check out <laughs> Anime Was Not a Mistake. <laughs> yeah, I should. One of these days. Let's see. Uh, yeah, no, Money Heist. This was... Okay, so... I, I think I gave my opinion on it last time we spoke. And I've... It, it's grown on me. I've become a lot warmer to it. There is a really great stretch of episodes between Season 2 and Season 3. Um, I should mention that... Uh, this this show it was only supposed to be a limited series um, that lasted one season on a Spanish channel, uh, like a channel in Spain. Um, but Netflix bought the rights to it. They chopped it up. They chopped up that season into like twenty episodes instead of fifteen, and they made it two seasons long. So they took one season, made it two, and uh, yeah, they never really like planned to come back for another one. But they. I, you know, it did so well on Netflix that they bought like the production and distribution rights or something like that. And they commissioned a third and fourth part, uh, third and fourth seasons to this show. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad they did. Uh, the third season, it really like embraces its own like kind of campiness. I, I, I really think this show strikes a very good balance um, between like campy and tropey and a little bit soapy. And like just just kind of fun, energetic thrill ride at at times. And I I do think uh, like towards the end of season two and beginning of season three is when they ride that line uh, kind of in the best way. Um, There are some heartfelt moments. There are just there's some really funny just dialogue between these characters. The characters are so like I get why it's it's a bit of a phenomenon now because these characters are people that you could really like latch onto. Um, they almost start to feel like family over the runtime of the 
of the show. And, you know, the show can be a little clunky. It's, it can be a little long, especially, um, that like first and second season, um, because the first and second season take place over just a few days. So each episode is like almost in real time. And, um, but you know, despite that, and despite some of the, some of the, the, uh, like jitteriness or I guess clunkiness of the story, it's, um, it really is just a fun show. It, it, that's all it comes down to. Um, it's not the most like, uh, it's not the most meaningful or sub- substantive show, but it, it really is a lot of fun. And yeah, you, you get, you get a lot out of it by the end of season two, but then season three, like kind of gives you, uh, so much more just by embracing that like funnier side of themselves. Um, for, for example, they introduce a, a character, kind of the new overarching villain, is a, a, a woman who is insanely pregnant. Like she's one of the most <laughs> pregnant women I've ever seen. And she's supposed to be like this badass that they, they, they call in. She's like, uh, it's a lot pregnant. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's almost like that. And, um, yeah, they, they call in the big guns and that's her. And she, she, uh, she fucks shit up. She really does. <laughs> I'm going to drop a baby on your ass. <laughs> and, you know, aside from that, there are just really funny moments of dialogue. Oh, by the way, like one of her, like, like a recurring gag with this uh, character is that she's like giving orders and she's like getting really mad as she's saying them. And she's like, I want these motherfuckers like out of their hole. I don't care what you have to do. Just shoot them all up. And then she, she has like kind of an assistant that's also a police officer. And she's like, Antonianzas, give me a goddamn donut. <laughs> and she said that like every time she finishes a uh, uh, speech, and it's relatable. It's yeah. yeah, so it's it's really a solid show. I really I I love when um, they just they it's when it's just funnier than I anticipate that it's going to be, and that happens a lot. Um, these these characters, the dialogue between them is just really really solid sometimes. So I I, I recommend it for uh, pretty much anyone. I think you'll find. A lot to like out of this, except to my parents. I don't recommend it to my parents. They're actually the ones that told me about it, and they're like, "Oh, I couldn't get through an episode." And I'm like, "Yeah, I get it." But <laughs> yeah, Donna tried and failed as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's but like, it's rewarding. It's a thing. Yeah. Oh, and even <laughs> what it's so silly too in the in the second like part, the second half of the show, the third and fourth seasons. I mean. There's one character, one really annoying character from the first half of the show that is, he's like a sad sack now. Um, I mean, he's pretty successful because he kind of convinces the world that he's a hero, but his, his like inner life is so depressing and he only feels happy if he's like involved in a heist as a, uh, as a hostage. Sorry, that's who he played in the first two seasons. He was a hostage. I mean, that hits too close to home. It sounds like my personal memoir right there. Come on. (laughs) So then in the second half of the show, when the the characters are committing their second heist, they open the doors briefly. And as they're closing, (laughs) closing them, this guy, like, jumps, like, lunges into into the, the Bank of Spain that they're committing a heist in. And he's like, make me a hostage. He, like, wants to be a hostage just so that he can have like a shining hero moment. And it's just, it's so silly. It's played for laughs. 
uh, it's just a it's it's a good time. Um, I'm I'm happy with it, and I've I've already said too much about it because I, I got a lot of shows here to get through, but I'm gonna try to be quicker with them. But yeah, La Casa de Papel slash Money Heist. Watch it. Definitely watch it subbed. It's a it's a fantastic time. Cool. Even if it's not you know like, it's not Breaking Bad or anything, but it is it is fun. <laughs> Uh, next, we got Community, which I've been talking about in recent weeks. Uh, we got through season four, but holy crap, season four. This is the one that our co-creator or, you know, pretty much creator, Dan Harmon, was not involved in. NBC fired him at the end of season three mm-hmm. and replaced him with uh, two other people who I'm not going to explain what they did. They're not important. Insert they, Foghorn here. <laughs> they, <laughs> they kind of butcher Community. I mean, it's not as bad as it could have been but it's pretty bad and they kind of betray like a lot of characters it feels more like a traditional like a generic sitcom like i'm watching friends or something it's like uh each each episode ends happily which i know i'm saying that with such disdain um like (laughs) how dare these episodes like end on a on a good note but I don't know. It just didn't feel true to the spirit of community because many episodes, uh, you know, in the first three seasons do not end on such a good note. Yeah. Or do not end with like a a monologue in like a Zach Abraff from Scrubs kind of way about <laughs> loving each other and being a family. Um, it's it, it doesn't have like the hard edge that the first three seasons did. And what's worse is that it tries to recreate like some moments or some 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 tropes from the first three seasons um we watched one episode where all the characters are, like turn into puppets and it's just it's so grueling to get through because it which it, is odd because everyone loves puppets is this also with the video of, game uh, episode yeah there's uh, a no, that was in episode three. the video game episode was in season three it was okay yeah, was the D episode in season three too uh, so D and D episode was in season two, and oh, okay. yeah, the video game episode was with uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I don't. It, it's it's almost exhausting trying to watch this. Uh, the puppet episode was also a musical episode, which Community has done in the past, <laughs> but I think they did it in more of like a like a a more self aware way or a more tongue in cheek, right? Yeah, just a more clever way. Yeah. When they, like the musical episode that they had in the past was kind of a parody of Glee, but it gave yeah. each character a moment to, to like, they, they kind of gave each character their own song, and with that they like flipped the genre on its head. Like, mm. um, uh, Brie Allison Brie had a, a riff on Santa Baby, where she <laughs> played like a really slutty newborn. <laughs> <laughs> like regressed as the song went on into into baby into infantilism, uh, and um, uh, Shirley, who's like a an adamant churchgoer, had a had a gospel segment. So it was like true to their characters. But this puppet episode, when they try to do musicals, it's just I don't. There's no point to it. It just feels so empty and so kind of annoying to watch. But thankfully, we got past season four somehow, and we got to season <laughs> five. This is when uh, NBC, you know, kind of realizing their mistake, they called back the creator mm-hmm. that they had once fired, and he was willing to do more episodes. And um, yeah, it it feels like good old community again. Like I have yeah. to say, season four was worse than I remember it being, as I 
as I uh, when I watched it for the first time as it aired. And season five is actually better than I remember it being. Like it's got it's got uh, Abed doing a great Nick Cage impression. It's got <laughs> it's got good riffs. It, it doesn't like try to hit the same notes over and over. It kind of does uh, things in a in an adjacent, but in a still clever and fresh way. So, oh, thank God for season five. And uh, we'll we'll get to season six eventually. Yeah, but that is Community. Definitely check it out. It's on Netflix. It's uh, it's worth it. Just be aware that season four had some behind the scenes shit going on, and you know, try to forgive it. Uh, next we got. Well, I know John's going to want to talk about this, so I'm going to hold off. Oh, oh no, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Wait, that's coming. That's a bit of a tease. But Ooh, for now, wait. For now, I just got to say, I love the summertime for television. I know everybody says it's a dead zone. It's a graveyard. (laughs) But I got to say, ABC, in recent years, they've been doing ABC summer fun and games. Oh, here we go again with the stupid mini golf episode, right? (laughs) I know what's coming. I've been there. (laughs) Shit, you remembered. I've Uh, been there. I've done that time. (laughs) Even I forgot the existence of this show until until I saw commercials for it. But uh, All right, so we're going to start off with Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. This is actually really great. I think this is probably my favorite show, uh, my favorite game show that's airing right now. <laughs> okay, Grandma. Listen, Jimmy Kimmel, he's actually a good good host. Like he that's, a, that's an oxymoron. Jimmy Kimmel, no. good host. Come you're, on. No, you're thinking of Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy both of them are both of them are bad. No, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel has uh, some actual humor. Yeah. yeah. No, so he um he he's he's not a great like game show host because he doesn't like explain the rules all that well or kind of explain what's going on all that well but he does a great job of just being entertaining like he he messes with these guests he riffs with these guests it's um uh, it's so great um recently they had Hannibal Burris on and he oh. is he was fantastic he is a great why does he player. need a million dollars well no they're playing for charity it's a celebrity Mm. who wants to be a millionaire my bad oh yes so they're all playing for charity um hannibal barris's episode was fantastic it had me cracking up the whole time i I mean i love his (laughs) his brand of humor but it really meshed well with uh jimmy kim as well and um i think after him or maybe two people after him they had um uh who's that doctor that's not really dr phil (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who's that who's that doctor <laughs> it's like that doctor that's not really a doctor so um they they had dr phil on and jimmy kim was unforgiving to dr phil it's great he's like oh. just ribbing him the whole time because phil is so indecisive and can't make up his mind they were like literally like spongebob-esque like five <laughs> minutes later <laughs> <laughs> segments like it's it's great i really just recommend watching it um it's it, it it's funny and I love having it on while I'm doing the dishes. It is. Uh, I, I hope it gets renewed for a new season, um, especially one that's not you know uh, messed up by the coronavirus. They actually couldn't have a live studio audience for this version of the show because of the coronavirus, and um, so instead of the ask ask the audience lifeline that avid millionaire watchers will recognize, they have ask the host. Ah, why would you ask a fucking jimmy kimmel question yeah jimmy kimmel adamantly um discourages (laughs) using that lifeline exactly (laughs) uh but it's 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 really solid i like it a lot 
um next week that's probably the the one i'll spend the time on the most so don't worry i mean i i like the concept i i think i might give it a watch yeah glowing it. praise it's on hulu maybe the first like two or three episodes they're okay but they're not as funny as what what comes next those oh, i'm still on your hulu account right now <laughs> please do <laughs> next, next we got holy moly 2 the sequel oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck <Excuse> you me? <laughs> Fuck you! That's the, that's the full title of the show this season. <laughs> I remember. I've been there before. It's it's competitive mini golf on ABC, and it's <laughs> I it's it's pretty I good. It's pretty I good. Can't. Is, it, is this related to Holy Moly Donut Shop? I don't believe so. <laughs> no, no, Mark. That would make too much sense. But um, no, it's it's competitive mini golf, and I kind of like it. Like they. It's almost like wrestling, like the caricatures that they bring on here. Um, like, I think on the most recent episode, they had a squirrel boy. <laughs> Interesting. I don't, know, I don't remember his backstory. Each each player gives their own backstory, but I don't a remember. A boy who is a squirrel. Yeah, pretty much. There's um, There was a trash man who actually made it to the finals. He's a, he's oh. a trash... He, like that's his job he's a trash nice man. stephen king the stand reference uh <laughs> nbc abc, ABC. I don't fucking know. close enough um, and yeah he made it to the finals he, and he comes to the court dressed in like full trash man gear <laughs> he, i think he might have even smelled bad i'm not sure i'm the trash man <laughs> and um yeah i just it's it's fun because it really feels like you're not watching a competitive sport rather just like entertainment um they have this one segment where three players have to dive into a pool and the and they have three judges, you know, judging them and giving them scores and the player with the highest score gets the best position for their golf ball. And um, so for, for this segment they had like two people. One one was like an older guy who sucked at the dive naturally. But they, they gave because him, he's like, old, they couldn't breathe. <laughs> yeah, leave him, alone. But the judges gave him like eights across the board, and then the next person was like was a younger, you know, more fit. I think he's a model, so he had like a decent dive, but you know, nothing to write home about. And they gave him like a nine. One one of the judges was like a famous musician, like artist, but I forget who. Kind of like like a Jimmy Buffett esque type <laughs> personality, and he was like, "That was the greatest dive I've ever seen." Um, they don't get better than that. I'm giving you a 9.0. And then finally, they brought out the last diver for this segment. And this guy is a professional diver. Like, I think he won't have <laughs> to the Olympics. I so think he, there's some bias to, <laughs> to so he, that. He, he does, like, an insane dive. Um, it's really good. And the judges give him, like, a 3 or, or like, a 1.0. Um, the guy who previously complimented the other diver was like, that was the worst dive I've ever seen. You should give you should not be in this business. You should just give up. So I I think, you know, they, they brought, I think the show hired this guy to, you know, get the dive perfect, but then be be eliminated uh, because the, the player with the, the lowest score during the dive portion gets automatically eliminated. So I, I just wasn't expecting that to happen. So it was actually kind of nice watching that unfold before my eyes on the screen. And uh, yeah, the commentators, they, they're just having a good time here. They're having fun. I recommend this show if you're... Yeah. If you like game shows, I'm watching some clips of it right now with uh, Rob w- Wiggles commentary, and it's uh, yes. it's pretty entertaining. They do not take themselves seriously one bit. Oh, and it is um, executive produced by Steph Curry, the basketball oh. player. Yeah, that's wow. right. 
who uh, who also plays golf apparently, and so he made appearances every episode during the first season, but I guess he wasn't expecting a second season to come up and now he doesn't make those appearances. They couldn't bring him back. Yeah. But he does come back in animated form and they have voiceovers for him. Like doing it. So, you know, fair enough. And the animation actually works kind of well because they get to draw outrageous stuff around him. So I recommend that show. It's fucking Wipeout for golf. Yes, actually completely. I I meant to make that connection. Uh, So thank you for doing that for me. You're welcome. No, it's it's that uh that that show we were talking about that used to be on that uh a- oh, a- mxc yeah oh, don't yeah. get eliminated it's it's definitely on that level definitely um not quite as funny as that but more politically correct because i don't think mm-hmm. mxc can survive in 2020 which is but, sad uh, yeah but it was we still have the archives we still have the youtube clips that's <laughs> true but um, yeah, and I think Wipeout is actually making a resurrection on on TBS this year or something. I don't know. Well, I'm sure I'll talk about it in the future. Mm. Uh, next, we got to tell the truth. This is a is you know this game show has been around since like the 50s. You got three contestants. Uh, they're each trying to port, each trying to convince a panel of celebrities <laughs> that they are like who they claim to be. I'm um, a llama. Yeah, and and at the end of it, they're like, "Will the real llama please stand up?" You know that's where that comes from, um, but uh, this is a this is a pretty decent show. I wasn't going to spend too much time talking about it, but this last episode was actually probably the all time best to tell the truth episode. <laughs> um, they had who did they have? They had um, and they actually had kind of a community reunion on sorts of a recent episode. They had uh, Allison Jacobs and Joel McHale, uh, so that was kind of fun to watch. Wow. But, but on this latest episode. Um, I forget who they had outside of like Alfonso Ribeiro, uh, Carlton himself. Uh, Anthony Anderson, um, I see here. Yeah, he's the host of it. Yeah. Um, oh, they yeah. have a, uh, they have um Dingle from uh, Reno Nine One One. Dingle. He was on oh. the most recent episode. <laughs> yes, uh, he was one of them. And um, oh, and Darcy Carden, Jan. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So it was really fun to see Darcy Carden. She was getting like super excited over everything. I love Um, her. But to tell the truth, they did like some great stuff this time. So the first player or the first uh, set of people that came out, they were trying to convince the the group of judges that one of them was a, a CIA master of disguise. Literally, that's what they used, master of disguise. So I got some uh, PTSD there, <laughs> but um, but so I don't think anybody, any of them, figured it out. Blah blah blah. That was it was a standard segment, um, and then later on they had one of the people, one of the contestants was uh, claiming to be uh, a person with the name Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of fun to watch. Uh, they just had some fun with that. Oh, and the person who. During that segment, they also had somebody who claimed to be like a witch or a warlock. Actually, uh-huh. no, they were they were a witch. They didn't like warlocks. Warlocks had a negative connotation. They yeah, explained. They, yeah. Oh yes, this is the other thing I wanted to mention. Okay, and then the last segment of the episode um, had these three contestants return, or not return, three new contestants. Uh, the judges returned, and um. 
the the kind of thing that they were trying to convince the judges was that they were a a surrogate for their son's baby. What the fuck? So <laughs> so it's somebody who was a who was a grand no who was a mother and they had a son and the son had a husband and they wanted to have a baby and as they were looking through like the surrogate process the son's mom was like i think they they might have said it kind of jokingly um maybe not but they were like um you know if you if you need a womb i have one right here just to save you the trouble so um so yeah apparently that happened and uh the celebrity judges were trying to figure out which of the three contestants actually um that actually happened to so the real person ended up standing up. Um, I think one person got it right, and the other two contestants revealed themselves. Uh, the first contestant was actually Elvira, Beatrice <gasps> of the Dark. Oh, I love her. And Darcy Carden uh, went crazy when when she realized that. It's kind of funny so, because because you yeah. could see you know these contestants the whole time. But yeah. uh, none of them realized that it was Elvira. I, you know, it's oh, been a while, but I would fucking lose my mind. Yeah, so people people kind of lost their mind uh, when, <laughs> when that reveal happened, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, I know John and Mark would love this. <laughs> um, and then the second contestant to reveal themselves was the CIA master of disguise from the first segment, and everybody's mind was just you know instantly blown. And it was kind of awesome to see. I, you know, none of them realized it. I did not realize it. It was pretty great. She she had on prosthetics. She had on makeup. And, she, yeah, she was kind of unrecognizable. Oh, wow. um, so that was probably the coolest thing to happen on this show. And I give them kudos for that. Um, I, I'm actually, there's a TV line article about it that says, did to tell the truth's double twist blow your mind a bit? So <laughs> wow. it's getting some, getting some traction. That's cool. And, uh, yeah, I don't. It was just. Uh, it was. It was really fun. I'm glad they they pulled it off and it went pretty well. See, game shows are not all you know. Just <laughs> fun and games. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're. I don't know. <laughs> they bring people together. Sometimes they're interesting too. <laughs> uh, next, we got Celebrity Family Feud. This is hosted by Steve Harvey. He mixes things up sometimes. He makes funny faces. Watch it. <laughs> um, next, we got Match Game. Um, oh my is, god, you literally just went through all the fucking summer shows, oh, didn't no, you? I've, I've been watching all of them religiously. Uh, um, next we got Match Game. This is hosted by Alec Baldwin. He uh, says funny things. He curses. It's a good time. Watch it. Uh, next we got Press Your Luck. This is hosted by Elizabeth Banks. Um, this one's okay. Uh, watch it. No next whammies? We, <laughs> yeah, no whammies, no whammies. Stop. Big bucks. Uh, next we got The Wall. Um, this is on NBC, actually. And this had been going on for a couple of months. This is hosted by Chris Hardwick. I actually like him here. I, <laughs> I know, but see, he's a, he's a decent game show host. I kind of like him. I don't think there's um, anything wrong with Chris Hardwick. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not crazy about him normally. He's like, he's like I'm a nerd, get it? But uh, it, it almost feels Big Bang Theory-ish to me, like him as a whole. But uh, <laughs> but no, he's he, he does well. On this game show. Um, and we got America's Got Talent back on NBC. Uh, the first episode just came out this week from the, the newest season. I think it's season 11. Uh, you got crazy shit happening. You got people doing magic. You got people um, 
stabbing themselves with katanas. Oh no! Yeah, this one person he had his mouth like on a on a blade, um, kind of like lying or not lying, but like bending over ninety degrees. And so oh he put God. a cinder he put a cinder block on his back, and he oh. gave a sledgehammer to Terry Crews. Um, Terry Crews is just a phenomenal human yeah. being, a um, person, both yeah, in strength person. and in strength and heart. And so Terry Crews, he he's a good you know kind of host here. He did not hesitate. He took the sledgehammer. The judges yeah. were protesting. Simon Cowell was on the verge of vomiting, but uh, Terry Crews took that sledgehammer and broke it over that man's back. He broke wow. the cinder block, not the sledgehammer. And um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that guy did like chip off something with the blade. Oh my God. I thought he'd be like, he died. <laughs> <laughs> oh he my God. Have. But, uh, but like, I mean, you know, from the camera angle, I feel like his mouth touched the blade, but there was no blood. There was no carnage. He, he, he came, came away in one piece. So oh. that was kind of cool. And, and, and I don't know, some people sang, it was, it was, it was a good show. Um, and finally, the masked singer—they had their season finale. <laughs> I'm surprised it's the first time you brought up the masked singer. <laughs> I don't watch it as religiously, um, but Be like, and here's Aretha Franklin, but she's dead. <laughs> it's kind of fun. They had Gladys Knight. Um, last oh yes, yes. My uh, birthday sister, Gladys Knight. Oh, nice! I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I forget. I, so the. They they had the top three in their season finale. I kind of forget who the other two were, but um oh one of them was Bow Wow or Romeo. I think it was Bow Wow. One of them. Yeah, and uh, the the final winner, the contestant was like somebody who was on America's Got Talent, some opera singer. She was on AGT when she was like eleven, and uh, then she I don't know she started doing like pop stuff for the Masked Singer, and so that was kind of like a new opportunity for her, a new uh, way to show to show a new side of herself. So that was kind of cool and people enjoyed it um i forgot her name she's not important anymore is it like shapiro <laughs> is that her last name yes actually yeah millie shapiro? shapiro no not millie shapiro no millie shapiro is the one from matilda the musical uh, related yeah, to ben shapiro yeah it's one it's one of the shapiros <laughs> i'm not yeah, sure i was right. just trying to make a joke I think so. <laughs> sorry mark <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but she was actually uh, the first female masked singer winner. Wow. So that was kind of cool. Oh, wait, this says it was Candy Burris. Yeah, yeah. close oh, enough was, to it. That's her name. Yeah, close enough <laughs> to Shapiro. Oh, and Jesse McCartney was a runner up, I think. Oh, Roxas yeah. himself. Yes, beautiful soul. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is my long winded TV court. Good God. Uh, I also have an equivalent length to a Mark, a Matt. So should Mark, should you go first? Or no, I don't know? no like I, you can go sec- second. It's fine. All right. Well, Matt, you didn't bring up the thing that you wanted me to enjoy with you uh, at the same time. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it. I'll um, chime in. I'm, is it uh, what we do in the shadows? It is indeed. Oh, all these right. crazy vampires. What we do in the shadows is the pinnacle of all television <laughs> that has existed in our lifetime. I highly recommended it. I highly recommended it last season, and it's been renewed for a season three. Mm-hmm. So what we do in the shadows, fuck me up, please. Uh, I haven't completely episode... caught up. I think I'm, I've gone through like six or seven episodes. 
I, I think you're probably around the same. I mean, I, I did see them all, but I think you're probably caught up in the gist that these notes have been caught up. Did yeah. you see Laszlo's Second Life in Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the last one I saw. That was oh, all right. so good. Because this was a pinnacle of an episode. <laughs> I just... I Mark, you need to get on this show real fucking quick. Because I will, eventually. It is the best show on television. It's so fucking funny. Oh, and and uh, Mark's boy guested on yeah. that episode. Yeah, the co-Mark, Mark Hamill. I know. Is also Hamill. On that That's I, the dog I, not, I could not even recognize him, honestly. Not until his name showed up in the credits. Oh, my God. Well, in the... Other than that episode, which was the gem of the whole series, where he's like Johnny Utah from Pennsylvania. (laughs) (laughs) No, Arizona. It's Arizona, because he's like, this is how we all talk in Arizona. (laughs) No, it's, uh, I think it's Johnny Dakota. Dakota, in the Dakotas. Oh, it's good. I I fucking loved it. Um, Just to catch up, we have Nick Kroll coming back from season one in the next episode that Matt has to watch. And Ooh. then we have a Nadia slash Laszlo human music group where they perform. And this is the funniest shit all while Guillermo is trying to like leave the household because Guillermo is a classic character that we need to follow on. And I love that his story arc is just continuing from season one, season two, season three. Now oh, yeah. I, I can't get enough of the show. I think it's the best show on television. It's just it's it's just so fun being with this cast. I've said it before, but the way these cast members interact with each other is so like oh, yeah. pure. It's so hilarious. I don't know if it's the accents or the wardrobe, but it gets me every time. Like <laughs> the way Nadia speaks. Oh, it's so funny. And oh. of course, um, Laszlo as well, his the way he speaks. Actually, the way everyone speaks. I honestly don't know what it is. Like whenever Nandor the Relentless goes, mm-hmm. um, fucking guy. <laughs> I'm like, it's so good. Or um, and just their celebrity guest stars that they can get. I think oh, they got yeah. a fucking Wesley Snipes back too for like a cameo. Oh, that's insane. And oh, that's I was, great. I was, I think that's the next episode for you, but I was just like, oh my fucking God, like the show. It's so fun. I, and they, they keep on exploring new ground with vampires, like things that I, I didn't think I wanted to see explored, but you know, they're doing stuff that other vampire media has not done in the past and uh, they're doing it really well. Yeah. Um, some some examples of that are like the hypnotism, the dual hypnotism. Oh my god! The guy during the Super Bowl party, <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't know the I, superb owl party. Too. Yes, the <laughs> superb owl. Um, I hear there is a superb owl, <laughs> uh, and I love how they they destroy this man's life, but it ends on like a very sweet note too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you stole my fucking necklace. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's just i don't know this the, it, the show is like simultaneously uh very heartwarming but also kind of it, it's not uh not sweet it's not saccharine it's very realistic and it, i well, it's not realistic but it's you know it doesn't let any characters off easy but it kind of makes it somehow all for the best mm. um and this Naja doll that we have this season also oh. great Great special effects for the Naja doll. Yeah, I want one of my own. I know. It needs to go on sale. 
Um, yeah, screw the Baby Yoda animatronic figure coming out this year. Give me Nadja. Yeah, Nadja Dalt's where it's at. Uh, All right. Um, my next thing, in tying in with what we do in the shadows, mm-hmm. I've been watching the big fucking flower fight on Netflix. <laughs> the goddamn flower murder. It's just known as the big flower fight, but I like to refer to it as the big fucking flower fight because <laughs> the show fucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two flowers enter the ring, only one leaves. I fucking love this show, and you wouldn't guess what vampire is a co-host on the big fucking flower fight, Matt. Hmm, I don't know. It's Nadja herself! Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Natasha Demetria is a co-host on the big fucking flower fight, and she is comedic as fuck. It's like the big British bake-off for flowers. (laughs) <laughs> and I love it. These uh, competitors, I think it's 10 teams. They're making a bespoke piece for the Royal Botanical Gardens in London. And I, I, I'm i enamored with the show. I love Big British Bake Off. I love the big fucking flower fight. Let me tell you. <laughs> it is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I would highly recommend it. I never learned so much about flowers in my fucking life. Wow, nice. And uh, basically, like, you know, every week they go through a a different challenge. Like, we're going to make animals out of flowers. We're going to make thrones out of flowers. There is a a few Midsommar references, which Mm. I'm sure I will enjoy. I don't know how Mark would take, but... (laughs) No, I I, I was looking at more stuff online uh, about the show, and it looks entertaining. Oh, it's good. It's fucking good for this big fucking flower fight. (laughs) Uh, I would highly recommend it, yes. This goddamn horticultural slaughter. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so it's time for the RuPaul segment of the week. I'm going to try to make it as quick as I can. <laughs> In the few RuPaul episodes we missed, we had RuPaul's Celebrity Drag Race with... They weren't celebrities. We had one of the hosts of Two Dope Queens, one of my favorite podcasts out there. We had Natalie Beer, who's like a New Jersey singer? I've never heard of her before. Never. Nope. And then we had Haley Kiyoko, who is a singer, which I think more people have heard of, but I still didn't hear of. Not to be confused with Kaylee Cuoco. It might be Kaylee. Is it? She's from The Big Bang Theory. Oh, okay. Never mind. It's Haley Kiyoko. (laughs) They're not celebrities. She's also very prominent on uh, Pornhub for some reason. Oh, how would you know that? You know, you see advertisements, you see banners. When I'm watching my YouTube video on my Pornhub ad, shows up in the midst of it. I, I haven't yeah. seen her on the Spice Channel recently. So, <laughs> oh, you and that Spice Channel, Mark? Hey, it's spicy. Um, it's a yeah. spicy. All I could say is the greatest thing about RuPaul's Celebrity Drag Race is that it has been canceled officially <laughs> after it has been done. Thank Re- Jesus! Wait, it's really? Done. I thought I was doing oh. well. Well, it's doing well, but in my mind, it's been canceled. No official word yet. I, I can only hope that it's been canceled. It's only to make room for more drag race. More drag well, spinoffs, rather. Well, I mean, it's the gift that keeps on giving. The uh, next thing I have to talk about is we're here. We missed one episode, which was set in New Mexico, which has a large indigenous population. Um, and it centers around the LGBTQ community. Um kind of giving up some of their own if that makes any sense uh one of the characters that we see in this and i shouldn't say character because it's a real person is an amputee that like lost her leg and arm in like a double 
fucking uh, car accident, but she still brings the drag as a drag king. Um, I I have to say that uh, We're Here has been doing a lot more for the drag king community because they they hire Landon Sider, who won the first uh, second season of Dragula, third season of Dragula. I don't even fucking know anymore. There's so much drag <laughs> going on, but uh, we do get a really great Bride of Frankenstein number which had me living for days. We had our RuPaul Drag, Drag Race Season 12 finale, which was all done digitally at home. And I know what you're thinking. Hmm. How are these queens going to perform digitally at home? But they actually fucking surprised me. It was a really good finale. Uh, we had Crystal Method come out dressed as an actual pinata. And it was the greatest look that I've ever seen in my fucking life. Wow. She was just a pinata horse dancing and singing along with the music. Was she, and, was she dripping candy? Well, she burst open and there was certainly candy revealed. <laughs> nice. Uh, we had Gigi Good dressed as Dorothy with a classic reveal. And then we had our winner of Drag Race Season 12, Jada Essen Hall, uh, come out with a real reveal. It was just, I, I, I felt good. I felt good about this. They cut Sherry Pie in her entirety. She was not even mentioned on the reunion slash the finale. It was amazing. What, was, what went on with her again? Uh, Sherry Pie was a sexual catfish. So she uh, she yes. hired people for a musical number and asked to see their dicks and then was cut from, you know, production. It was news found out after she was on the show and made it to the top four. Oh, yeah. But yeah. that's good. It was good. And I, I'm only excited because All-Stars season five starts up next week and it looks to be a very good season drag race shows no signs of stopping in the near future <laughs> all right uh, a few more i've got um i guess we can go to this my favorite show on television currently and forever at home with amy sedaris season three premiered oh wow and this show is another gem i love amy sedaris's brand of humor because she uses people like cola scola and other Broadway legends that we need to know about in pop culture. Um, the first episode is centered around babies, where Amy Sedaris pretends that she is pregnant and gives birth to a, a fake monkey doll that she really <laughs> loves. <laughs> and it has guests like Laura Benanti and Jane Krakowski. It's hysterical. And then in the episode that we missed most recently is the Valentine's Day episode, which stars Michael Sarah friend of the podcast, Michael Sarah, hmm. And Amy Sedaris falls in love with Michael Sarah, who's training to be a lumberjack <laughs> and goes to lumberjack school. Uh, I This show is like my humor to a T, as I mentioned many times on this podcast, oh, where yeah. they, they get this classic movie reference that I pick up on. I, I just give it all the more kudos. And then I realize this season is produced by A24. Which Come on. They can't give me any more than they can give me. Match made in heaven. It It is a pinnacle of television. Another thing that I highly recommend, even though it's three seasons in, it's an eclectic sort of humor. I feel like if you don't get it, you're not going to get it. But I, I enjoy it. <laughs> I enjoy it wholeheartedly. Um, And then I think I'm on my last. Oh, okay. Of course, we have Killing Eve. Uh, yes. Killing Eve has been fire, which originally I was like, all right, the season, is it going to go anywhere? It does, slowly but surely. They're giving us more breadcrumbs along the way. There is a wonderful moment where 
Uh, Villanelle goes off to Mother Russia and she meets her home family, like her real birth family. Wow. And uh, we get some Elton John references there and it ends. Killing Eve can do one thing and one thing alone. It's in the last two seconds of an episode. They can (laughs) give us a fucking twist that blows our fucking mind and be like, all right, that's why I watched Killing Eve in the first place. And they've got somebody speeding up. (laughs) I know it's fucking Carl. (laughs) They're getting ready to kill Eve. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're ready to kill Sandra Oh's character. But this this season, I went in. You know, they're going to give us more story, and they did. They they give us little breadcrumbs, and at the end, I mean the uh, the season ends tomorrow. Um, So I'm happy to report back. But so far, these twists have been hitting out of the park. Nice. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't want to spoil it until, until Matt watches it. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, I'm actually going to end on my highest recommend that I've seen in a long fucking time. Mm. Um, since Sharp Objects or Sharper Objects. I don't I don't remember a title of a show. What's, what's that mean? <laughs> I've got on Hulu, The Great starring Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. This is a fucking gem this is a jonathan show to a t it is a period piece done by the screenwriter for your ghost lanthimos is um the favorite definitely seemed like it from the commercials yeah it's it's tony mcnamara who is screenwriting this show as well but it's so fucking good it's everything i wanted from the favorite it's a lot more comedy um and a lot more characters going at it at once in a retelling of Catherine the Great's kind of reign in court. There has been a renewal for season two. Or, no, there hasn't been a renewal. There's been a hint at season two. But I think with the accolades that the show is getting, that a season two is promised almost at this point. Nice. Um, it, it's just really great. I love how they blend the period pieces with the modern comedy that's going on. Uh, because basically... Catherine the Great is married to whoever the Great, Nicholas Holt's character, and he just ends every sentence with like, and fuck you. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't really enjoy you. <laughs> um, I, I I, mean, I'm at a loss for words. I really, really recommend it. I, I thoroughly enjoy this. This is my highest recommend for the week. I love the Great. Nice. Cool. Definitely going to check that out. All I think right. April would like it too. Yeah, I, I think it's really good. It's ten episodes with an hour each, so it's it's some time to put aside. But I I binge through it in a week. Cool, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And Mark, well, unlike you guys, I only have two things to talk about. I'll probably right. blow through them pre- uh, pretty fast. Uh, still uh, watching, uh, I think the gallery, I think it's called, uh, which is the Mandalorian doc that's over on Disney plus. Uh, you know, it's fine. You know, it, uh, they, the last three episodes, they've been talking about um, a lot of the technology kind of behind the scenes uh, that they were using were like uh, as much as they were using practical sets and uh, for, uh, for the series, they, they've been experimenting with this wide room that they've kind of like, dub like like the volume that they've uh, been using where it's like a just it's like almost like walking into a planetarium that's also like a, a big 3d scape where ev- everything just looks so photorealistic it makes you feel like you're actually there 
It's it's pretty impressive stuff. It just has a, a nice like three three sixty uh, scope of the uh, whatever set that they're trying to um, use for an episode. It's pretty impressive impressive stuff, and they've actually been like heavily reliant on in game uh, engine uh, equipment as well. So in game TV engine, yeah, Unreal uh, Engine Five, yeah. Uh, well, like uh, John Favreau's talked about in one of the episodes, uh, he's uh, seeing like how he's kind of like uh, sort of like improving on like how he uses uh, 3D to an effect and not being so heavily reliant on uh, blue or green screen, but like actually like trying to like innovate that as well. And how like George Lucas is, uh, has talked about that in the past where like I wouldn't have to like maybe like be so like heavy on using like blue and green screen which which is what he did for the prequels and they've been like they've also commented on that as well but like actually walking in to that room and just seeing how like like uh matt you you would know about this in uh in the heist episode in the beginning when it's like the giant hangar and like you see a bunch of like stuff that's in the background like uh yeah yeah like uh, most of that is just like just a 360 roundabout of that hmm. and, and, and where that all that is visually like there for the actors to see as well and they're actually looking at stuff that's like alive so yeah that's it, pretty cool it's it's pretty impressive stuff um it, even like having to use uh vr to uh when uh using some of the uh directing uh it's it's pretty cool i i, I like it um uh yeah so i i don't know if, i don't know how many more episodes there are i think it's like episode five which they were talking about more of the practical sets and they were using in terms of like even using nick nolte's character that he voiced over and uh baby yoda how they kind of brought those characters to life uh so yeah yeah uh, pretty neat sounds pretty cool yeah which makes me uh, want to check it out maybe if i have some time to set aside yeah it's it, it's some nice kind of like background stuff you don't need to really like sit through all of it um mm-hmm. here's but, uh, five dollars go see a star wars <laughs> uh and i guess the, the last thing i'll talk about that just aired uh yesterday uh it's pretty relevant too is a uh, space force and this is uh helmed by steve carell and greg daniels you know greg daniels uh, 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 is known for you know the office parks recreation um some of the uh, maybe latter episodes, I think, from uh, uh, The Simpsons, King of the Hill, stuff like that. No, he's got a, a pretty pretty big background for him. Um, you know what? Uh, it's it's beginning a little some flack, I think, from uh, from reviewers. Uh, you know, I I I kind of liked it. I I, I, I actually had some fun with it. I was very hesitant at first, not not sure what to expect out of it first episode uh, first two episodes are kind of hit hit or miss um i'm not the biggest uh steve steve carell fan i think he has a certain stick when it comes to like his character uh or a characters that that he usually portrays you know michael scott you know and usually he just kind of says a bunch of things and he just kind of rips and then like an actor should and, and, well, uh, not not to the greatest extent, I think. Uh, you know, like I, I would I would argue for for myself. Uh, I think he's like my least favorite character on The Office. Oh. I I don't know. I, I but uh, it, and something he always kind 
constantly does on this show, which I think he does with a lot that he does both in television and film. It's just like, he just kind of sings under his breath or like for, for some odd reason, maybe just like to calm himself. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know how that always lends to his character, but uh, yeah, but th- this, this kind of stars like uh, he's like a four star general, I think who's uh, put in charge of uh, a new space program called space force and uh he uh and um uh john malkovich who's uh also co-stars on, on here are he who plays a scientist they're 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 meant to just like get uh boots on the moon by 20 uh 2024 that <laughs> which is what the president tweeted out so there's a lot of like are already like kind of political humor here so i don't uh, they haven't said like you know trump is the president here but like obviously like you know like quoting and saying like oh like the president hasn't tweeted this out yet so let's let's mention this here so there's a little bit of that here uh especially since uh like i I think about a half hour or less we're about uh, spacex is about to launch their shuttle uh into space there's there's a little bit of that uh here as well in terms of relevancy we won't see it how long until the (laughs) the president in the show starts saying once they start looting we start shooting uh, oh, <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, uh, China has some involvement in here as well. China. Uh, um, yeah, he tweeted that recently too. Just yeah, China. China all with exclamation points. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, writing isn't as strong on this uh, on the show. At, at, but uh, I I don't think it's bad. It, a lot of it's a little bit fluff. Um, uh, th- there is a lot of like like good uh television actors here in term uh you know like uh jane lynch pops in for a bit uh like that they have like a round table of like uh, uh people that kind of like have to come in and see like oh how's space force doing and like oh it's it's doing good and, and like every episode kind of starts out where it's like yeah this is turning out to be kind of shit and uh but every almost every episode kind of winds out turning turning into their favor somehow um i think the best person on the show is actually uh john malkovich he, he uh it's just like everything almost that he says is very monotone and it's also just just because he, he's just so annoyed with steve carell and how he's just put in charge of this program it's like it's like we can't do this like like you're an idiot it's just his lines of dialogue uh, might be some of the funniest things i've ever like kind of heard that at least coming from him it almost sounds like sometimes like he actually inserts his own kinds of humor or a dialogue here as well it's like he's talking to who's ever writing the show it's like i want to say this like oh okay go ahead uh i think he kind of just lives on netflix too here he's been popping up in too much stuff oh yeah they they have blackmail on him they got some uh, yeah dirt. they do they got some dirt netflix dirt ryan murphy dirt on john Malkovich. but uh he, he's a uh, he, he's he's the he's the standout here and uh you know it i i like him he's 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 very funny and, and uh Oh yeah, Ben Schwartz is on the show as well. He's like the media consultant for, uh, hey, for Sonic himself. Yeah, that's right. And uh, now getting a sequel. He's he's kind of like a, a toned down John Ralphio here, sort of. He's it's it's not like crazy where it's like oh, oh I'm going to do this or do that. You know, I'm not I'm going to pretend I'm dead. You know, uh, it's uh, <laughs> he's a uh, he, he's a lot of fun. He's he's kind of doing his shtick that he's he kind of does. Uh, uh, from time to time, but I like it. it. You know, it's it's very Ben Schwartzy. 
Uh, there is kind of like a forced romance angle here that comes towards like the last couple episodes that I'm not too crazy about, but uh, yeah, I guess they had to insert something there. Um, but I don't know. I I I, I kind of like it. I I'm kind of you know, I think there will be a season two. I don't know if there that's been greenlit yet. Oh, I but. think I'm sure there will be. Like there were such high expectations for this, and I think even if it's not as great as The Office, mm. or um, I, I think it's still going to find lots of eyeballs. I, I mean, there, <laughs> there, there, lots of audience. There, there, there is a lot of comedic talent here. I, I do like a lot of uh, everyone's performances. Lisa Kudrow's here. She, uh, she's like um, Steve Carell's. Uh, wife who for some reason winds up in jail uh that that hasn't been ex- me some lisa kudrow she, she, yeah. uh, that hasn't been explored yet but uh that that's that's bound to happen at, at one point her daughter comes to visit her and lisa kudrow has uh, corn rolls <laughs> it's like oh i joined the gang and then it's like oh no i mean a uh, book club <laughs> it's uh yeah it's pretty funny uh jin yang is here uh jimmy o yang from uh uh silicon valley fame yeah I like him. Uh, he he's he's actually pretty funny here. Uh who else I want to say? Oh, um uh I like her actually. Uh Deanna Silvers. Uh, she's uh from Ma. She's the main girl from, from that movie and uh she's been she's been actually making the rounds. Uh she's got a small <laughs> career but uh that's uh, that's booming. I like her here. She's kind of like the angsty uh, teenager who's like like fuck Colorado. I didn't want to move here from DC and like yeah, she she gets up into her own antics so I like her. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't oh. make me drink alone. <laughs> oh, there, there's one more person here who uh, who's in a few episodes who recently passed away, and that's Fred Willard. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, he he he's he's got a few scenes for himself in some episodes. Uh, there's even a uh, uh, you know in memory of that, I think in the first episode, and I feel like um, they give him like the basis of a scene, and then they just let him like go off, and everything that comes out of his mouth is just pure gold. So, and then they just have to write the dialogue around whatever he's saying, uh, and that—that's kind of what it sounds like, and, I, and it's, it's very good. So, I—I'm I, gonna miss Fred Willard. He—he uh, was—he was a really big staple of comedic talent. Um, mm. but yeah, um, that's that's pretty much that in a nutshell. You know, I—I I would say check it out. I—I I, I think I think it's an entertaining watch. It's a, it's an easy binge, half hour each for ten episodes. So. Yeah, yeah. If it were more than ten, I probably wouldn't give it a shot. But uh, it seems harmless <laughs> enough, and I hear that the second half of the season does improve on the first half quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, I so, think once I think when episode three gets there, I, I like it a little bit more. Um, yeah, I'll probably yeah. give it a shot. Yeah, it's I, I, the first two episodes a little bit rough, but uh, yeah, I like it. Cool. Yep, that's and that's all I got for TV. All, all right. right. That concludes What's our, our next segment? Yes, ended TV court. Uh, <laughs> um, it's going to be a long one, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I don't have too much to talk about when it comes to uh, picking up the movie phone. So, <laughs> Let me go first. I have to pee. <laughs> <laughs> okay, please do. All right, um, movie phone. I'm going to pick it up. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, it's movie for you. phone. Yeah, it is for me. Um, the first thing that I watch. I don't think I would consider this a movie. Um, I'm sorry, guys, but uh, Hannah Gatsby. Of famous comedian has a new stand-up special on Netflix called Douglas, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it so much. Of famous comedian, (laughs) yeah, of famous comedian fame. Um, 
And it, it's just funny. I, I love it so much that she calls out shit. She calls out her fans that are like, yeah, I'm going to give two lectures during this. She speaks on um, ADHD. She speaks on um, Hogwarts houses relating to a person's name. It's framed <laughs> in a in a sense that she goes through classical art and she she has a, a funny way of like recalling jokes from like the original stand-up comedy special. And I'm all for this because usually stand-up comedy specials don't make me laugh in any way, shape, or form. But I like <laughs> I was la- I was chuckling during this, so I mean that's something to say. Nice. I I I really enjoyed it. I think that she needs to give be given more credit. And apparently Americans love her. That's how she opens her set. Is like you Americans really love me. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that's why Netflix gave her another stand-up special. So that that's fun. I love Hannah Gatsby. Good for her. Nice. Um, the next thing I watch, also comedy related and Netflix adjacent, is Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy versus the Reverend. Oh, I gotta oh, watch yeah, this. Right. Uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt versus the Reverend is a choose your own adventure style. In what is that Black Mirror segment? Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's in the same format. Tina Tina Fey was even like, "We're gonna do this in the style of Bandersnatch," but like three years too late. <laughs> which i i enjoyed um i thought it was a good time but i do have to suggest that it got way darker than i thought it was gonna do with some of the choices at the end i was wow. like oh oh shit Kimmy Schmidt, what are you doing and these choices only result in like comedic out like outlooks on the the story it's not like you win or anything but uh i was like oh damn this kimmy schmidt thing is getting real dark um <laughs> And the celebrity guest stars include Daniel Radcliffe, who features as Kimmy Schmidt's um, groom-to-be. We get Josh Groban. We get Johnny Knoxville. And I I just thought it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to get drunk to and just try and choose a, a thing. I didn't think it was as powerful as the original series. Um, it felt a little bit shoehorned in, but at the same time, it was enjoyable. It wasn't a bad watch. Nice. I mean, you're going to have those mixed reactions from anything that's like, you know, like choose your own adventure. So especially when it's not like straightforward for you. So, yeah. Yeah. Just so the fans know, I I went through all the choices. So I I saw the legitimate (laughs) everything that they can give us. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they really had anything left to tie up. So they kind of had to create a new conflict for the movie, Mm -hmm. I assume. And yeah, yeah, so it gets kind of messy. I I could see how. But uh, I'm glad it's still worth it. Yeah, it's worth it, but it, it does get fucking dark out of three of the four choices <laughs> Damn. for no reason. I do like that uh, Jane Krakowski, who is the love of my life, uh, she, in one timeline she starts like the um, the Meninist movement, and it's it's kind of hilarious. I, I loved it. It's like, oh my god, <laughs> she talks for all women, now men can be free! And... I was dying on the sofa, drinking my wine, drinking my rosé. Um, hey, don't, don't drink my dog. Yeah, that was my joke. Um, <laughs> two more for me. I have Ghost Stories, not to be confused with the Ghost Stories anime that I suggested a few weeks ago. Um, mm. This is a 2017 on Hulu British horror film directed by Jeremy Dyson and co-starring Andy Nyman who also directed it and stars in the movie. And it's based on a play, which was very surprising. And it's basically three vignettes told in the story of just, um, there's this, um, not extraterrestrial, like um, spooky doctor person 
who's okay. investigating. Well, you know what I mean. It's like one of those ghost shows that's like investigating these three ghost stories. Mm-hmm. I forget the term because I, I'm, I've been drinking, as Beyonce says. Yeah, and- I think I know what you're... Yeah, I forget the term too. Yeah, and essentially they go through this and it, it crescendos into this very Stephen King-ish finale. And you know me, I love a good Stephen King finale going on. Oh, and my life, yeah, right. It's an anthology, but it it just it has a twist in the end that's very good. It's laid out for the audience very well. I think that um, it's underappreciated because while the scares aren't there, it's just quirky enough and sad enough to be watchable. Hmm. And that's high praise. I didn't mean to make that sound like it's low praise, but (laughs) it it was good. I, I really enjoyed it going into it. Um, so I, I recommend Ghost Stories, and I, I just the fact that it was a play really grounded me. I want to see the play that it's based on. Yeah, cool. cool. And then, lastly, before my bladder explodes, I have to, <laughs> I have to reconvene to Bergman Box. I have four movies left, I believe, with one of them being like a three-hour movie. So we're gonna see how Ooh. that that panders out. But I should get this done by summer's end. We have Waiting Woman from 1952. It is a typical bourbon box fair uh, with these four to five women recounting how the men have, um, you know, influenced their lives that they're connected with. So we have like husbands, we have lovers, we have sons. And I actually really enjoyed this because it's different. It's different aspects of the same relationship going on. I mean, Bergman has been hidden out of the park lately. There was like that low point in the middle where I was like, all right, this is a Bergman film. It's about a, a woman scorned or about something psychedelics going on in the background. But I actually really enjoyed this. It hit me at the right moment. Um, and I mean, I have to say that, you know, we get different aspects of these men in their lives. We get like a, a horrible man. We get a comedic man. We get just young love in, in general. And there is a, a moment in this movie that offers... Uh, a very good cinematic moment where this woman, she's like going to have a baby and she's on the operating table. She's breathing in the anesthesia. And while she's taking in the anesthesia, she gets this whole musical montage on how like the man experienced her life and how she cheated on this man with another man. And it's very powerful. I mean, this, this hit me hard. It may be the rosé that I'm drinking, but (laughs) I, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I think I, I will return to this and I'm, um, hopefully when quarantine's over, I, I will return to a Bergman movie that we can all enjoy together. <laughs> nice. Cool. Yeah. That would be my um, first one. Yeah. So I'm going to hang up my movie phone and I'm going to go to the bathroom. So please, no one use the microwave in this two seconds of time. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Uh, do you want to go now or uh, should I go? Uh I mean, I have three movies to talk about, but uh, uh, Same here. they'll have like very little discussion. If anything, I'm just like recounting these movies. So uh, what? I'll go first, I guess. Uh, Matt, I've actually t- taken a page out of your Disney Plus kind of watch, like going back Ooh. and re- revisiting like some of the classics. Uh, I just decided to like look at, I guess, what is it considered the golden age of Disney? Like the kind of the 90s movies? Oh, the 90s? That is the... Renaissance. Renaissance. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, Golden Age, I guess, would be like what? Um, Cinderella, uh, 
Yeah, probably like 40s, 50s. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, so I, I guess I just want to like, start from like what I've been familiar with or like what I watched as a kid uh, mm-hmm. post, and then like work my way to the ones that I've either either seen once or maybe not a, not at all. So um, um, I guess I'll start out with uh, with Hercules. Um, wow, did I really miss all of Matt's segment? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're, we're, we have not gotten to it yet. Yeah. Oh, okay, thank God. <laughs> no, no, uh, no, I was just telling Matt where uh, I, I decided to like go back and watch some of the '90s uh, Disney Plus movies. Oh. I wanted to start out with the, the ones I watched like when i grew up uh, that to the ones where i've only watched maybe once or twice to the ones i never watched at all so i decided to start out with uh, hercules a pinnacle a gem and a that, wonder that's that, that's Danny just DeVito. that's just been uh, on my on my mind recently so i wanted to just like kind of like start start with that um mm-hmm. and i just kind of I, I i wanted to sit down and just like watch them without interruption you know like just because uh, uh, I don't think I've actually watched these in, in a while, you know, and like really like gotten anything new out of them, maybe. And, and you know, f- to some extent, it's it's pretty much the same as how I used to watch them, but like maybe focus a little bit more on the dialogue, especially when it comes to the uh, the musical numbers, you know, especially with Me- Meg's song I, that I, oh, I, I really Susan like. Susan Egan, Broadway legend, love her. Because like, Stan you know, her. Um, you know, growing up or like uh, when I was younger, there, there'd be some sequences I would I would not pay attention to or like that I would think dragged on. But like, there's actually a lot more um emotion behind the, that that i see here you know and uh you know meg's a very like a, an endearing character here you know from from start to finish um hercules i wish got a little bit more i think I, I, maybe like something like to grab onto i think uh, maybe I, I want maybe an additional song from him because like as soon as it gets to adult herc you know there it's I don't know. Bless my soul, Herc was on a roll. Is I mean, that what you mean? No, no, no. I, I mean from him in general. Because <laughs> no, we I know. Well, he was on a roll. He couldn't have time to sing more. I, I guess you know he was he was, <laughs> he was too busy beating up all the you know the centaurs and the medusas. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's it, it's Uh-oh. it's it's still a good one. And I, I, you know, there's something I, I always like about Disney movies is the villains. You know, and Hades here, voiced by uh, from James Woods. He's he's a very very comical and and uh he's also very menacing at the same time i don't know that just comes from his performance in general you know uh it, it's it i i wish i get to see a little bit more from him nowadays you know i just want to like because he was very big in the 80s and then that kind of like he took kind of a, a nosedive once it came to the 90s and this you know i i really like his shtick that that he's doing here especially uh when it comes to like just like kind of intervene intervening when uh, when the circumstances like need him to so it's i i, I like it I, I still think it's a it's it's still one of those really good good films to go back and watch and i i think when i was watching moana what i really still like about it is how they still kind of keep a little bit of that 2d animation from here to there uh, like when it gets to like um uh who's uh who's the rock play in moana um maui um yeah, or, Maui. Yeah, when it when you focus on his tattoos and how it's he's interacting with them, it's I I still see him. I, I I look at the muses uh, like and and they're and they're they're very 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 good very good storytelling uh, technique here for the movie as well, which I really like. Uh, and yeah, I, I I still like it. Um, all right, all right. Next one we have the Lion King. 
<laughs> a classic, a gem. 2019. Oh no, uh, I, I don't. I don't think I have the strength. Thank God. Um, I don't know. I might. I might watch it just to compare it and just to have my own opinion on it. But uh, yeah, see, you'll be sad. You can look at a pile of shit all you want, but it's never going to look as good as the golden gem you have in your hand. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's shit in your hand. <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to say here because uh, I this is another film I haven't watched in a very long time, and it, it, I I felt very happy revisiting it just from like the start. You know, it's it, it's so quiet, and then it just like it opens on such like a bang, which nah! you know it's uh, it. I think uh, all around the film is just is is brilliant. You know, it's 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 it really is just a, a masterpiece in terms of a you know animation, uh, music, uh, uh, character. It's it's really astounding. You know, it's uh, I don't I don't I don't know. I I remember there is also parts in this. I remember when I was younger, where it's like either I couldn't watch. Or, uh, like, or uh, maybe like a board, or I you were not allowed to watch the lions making love. No, uh, like, uh, is it like maybe I got scared or like a part, especially when it came to the, the, the stampede, like uh, le- leading up to Mufasa's death. Oh, I love that part. I was like, yeah, get him. Let me tell you though, that stampede in the 2019. Ooh, when the when the frame opens up to the IMAX <laughs> ratio, that was. Got, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it really does stand the testament of time, you know. Like, uh, like, ev- like, even ev- everyone voicing their characters in, in here as well are are great. Um, uh, you know, Jeremy Irons, uh, James Earl Jones, it, Nathan Lane. Yeah, Nathan Lane. Uh, it, it's it, it's it's great. It, it 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 really does make sense as to why Timon and Pumbaa got three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Did you pick uh, up on the on the Hamlet vibes this time. <laughs> Did you see? Uh, yeah, all all the obvious Hamlet vibes. You know, it, 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 people want to compare it to Hamlet. I mean, uh, obviously, yeah, there there is all the the you know, like all like my uncle killed my dad stuff like that. But uh, you know, <laughs> it's yeah, obviously it's it's not the same thing. But uh, it's 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 still very very good. Um, yeah, I still it, don't get the Hamlet stuff. What you, you didn't? But you've never seen Hamlet. I know exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I mean, I mean, no, not not, not everyone dies in this one, opposed to Hamlet. <laughs> um, but uh, it's yeah, it, it it might be one of my f- maybe just favorite films of all time. I might it might rank up there with terms of like top ten films I've ever of wow. uh, of my favorites. It damn it re- it really is. It, it's it's still a very very good film. I I really like it. Um, uh, next one, or I guess last one in terms of viewing, uh, Aladdin. Ah, uh, it's uh, hmm. yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I also have I have a slightly different opinion on it. I think uh, watching it now, I don't know why. It, it's maybe it has to do with like you know Robin Williams passing and stuff like that as well, having a, a different kind of emotional feel for it. Um, and maybe even Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin's a little bit of a dope. Um, uh, going back rewatching, I he's think, a street rat scoundrel. I, I think it might come down to like you know like once like he gets genie and he beca- he pretends to be the sultan and or like or like uh, Prince Ali. Prince Ali. Um, I I I maybe wish there was a little bit more music to it. I mean, obviously that that that's enhanced by the the Broadway version, you know. Um, 
but uh and i i know people that's another thing if people here have another issue with like the live action version again i haven't seen that and i'm, yeah. I'm eventually I'll, I'll i'll i've watched it and just to see like kind of compare and contrast um but uh yeah i, I mean i i still like it i still I, um again you know like villains are still one of the most prominent things when it comes to like these disney films you know jafar is is, is very menacing here and i, I still like the shtick with him and iago and that it's 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 still you know, very, you know very very funny and uh uh you know and genie will always be a treasure you know it's mm-hmm. I, I still have, and you now like like i said with like his passing you know once i hear like aladdin say genie you're free it's like oh god uh, it's it's it, it, there's well, a he's not free from Disney's corporate grip. That's all we know. Yeah, yeah, but uh, uh, it still still a very good film. I'm I'm happy I got to revisit it. And uh, yeah, watch uh, Aladdin two, three, and four. Oh they're no, good. Uh, oh, no. They're I, good. There, there's no four. <laughs> oh. it, it, it ends it ends with uh, uh, King of Thieves, and and that might be the superior Aladdin. Yeah, I love that film. <laughs> And obviously, and that's mostly just because it's the genie movie, and and that's what made you know like. And Robin Williams eventually came back, and then Homer Simpson took over too. Was it Dan Castellaneta? No. Hmm. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Hmm. Nice. All it's right. interesting to me that you like the um, the golden. Both you and Matt prefer like the golden era the- films. I think in the Disney canon. No, no, yeah. we we were discussing. I, like Matt, you said the golden age was forties, uh, fifties. Yeah. Where uh, no, yeah. wasn't that the Silver Age? Or, uh, this this is the Renaissance. Yeah, you you guys are much more Disney Renaissance, and I'm more of the Silver Age because I like like Cinderella, um, Fantasia, Sleeping Beauty. I like like the slow burn of the Disney canon. Yeah, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. know. The older ones, uh, they're not as meaty to me. They, yeah. they don't really have as much going on, and it feels like some of the plots that they have, some of the scenes are just for like padding. I just yeah. like a good Tchaikovsky reference. That's all I want. No, I, I mean the <laughs> the only one I think for me it's, that stands the test of time, and, and that's Jungle Book. You know, uh, that, that's. Yeah. But if, if we're talking about it like older, older, that's that's the movie that really still has a lot of weight for me. Yeah, Walt's last film because he was like, "Yeah, I guess we'll do this Jungle Book," and then he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Well, supposedly. All right. Well, I've only I've got three films. Oh. I'm gonna try to knock them out. Um, yeah. So I'm just gonna start with uh. Netflix's The Lovebirds. So this was originally a, a Paramount flick that was going to make it to theaters. Yeah. But um, Netflix ended up getting the rights because uh, theaters don't exist anymore. <laughs> so this is uh, Issa Rae and Kumail Nanjiani. Uh, this is a pretty... It, it's it's a breezy film. It's very light. Um, it's got a short runtime, I think, maybe 87 minutes, something like that. Uh, so under an hour and a half but it's it's fun i like the brand of humor that they got going on here um i think the two leads do a good job of um i don't know if i'm going to say their chemistry per se because it's not a very romantic movie even though it's it's kind of built on their romance as a foundation but uh so basically these two these two leads they were introduced to them in like a very brief opening sequence 
where they kind of fall for each other. And then it, and then we flash forward to four years later and they're in a fight and they're just in fights about like the, the dumbest, most like pedantic things. And that like brand of humor really kind of speaks to me. Like right now they're fighting over uh, the amazing race and whether they would be like good contestants on it and whether they would win. Uh, but eventually that kind of leads to their breakup and like right after they break up, well, they're on their way to a party. So they're driving in the car and then they like kind of announce their breakup, uh, intentions to each other but as that happens uh kumail who's driving hits a bicyclist <laughs> and kind of runs them over and that's uh, the funniest part of the movie i assume well no it, it's a pretty <laughs> it's a decently funny movie um and uh, and afterwards uh the bicyclist is fine he's like no i'm good you don't need to help me up or anything like i'll, I'll be fine i'll walk it off and then kumail's like all right whatever and then um, a random guy comes from off screen and is like shouting. And he's like, hey, uh, that guy's a, like a wanted criminal and I'm a police officer. Like, you need to give me your car so I could, uh, you know, go go catch them. So Kumail lets this uh, random guy, this uh, random police officer take the wheel. And they're all like driving around town in this chase scene. And eventually the car does catch up with the bicyclist thanks to Kumail uh, helping with his map app. And um, when they do finally encounter each other, the the guy driving the car uh, hits the bicyclist again, uh, runs him over, goes forward, goes in reverse, runs him over again, goes forward, goes in reverse, runs him over again. And this just happens like five or six times. Uh, so this guy is very much dead, the bicyclist. And Kumail was like, you know, I don't think the guy we let use our car is actually a police officer. And then from there, it just kind of unwinds, un it just spirals into a whole night of them being on, like, the run from the cops and finding themselves in, like, this web of conspiracies of, like, a cult that's running things behind the scenes for, like, this, this whole city. But um, it's it's rather funny, and like I said, it's breezy. You don't really have to commit much of your effort or your energy to it. So I recommend it. It's uh, it's it goes places I didn't think it would, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's. I think it was a good good idea to put this one on Netflix. I think it's mm. the right home for it, and uh, I do kind of hope people watch it. So Matt, I offer a theory to you. Okay. I'm gonna ask the age-old question. Matt, are you Julie Klausner? Because Julie Klausner discussed this same movie on her podcast in the same week, in the mm. same tone, so I'm thoroughly convinced that you are Julie Klausner. Well, I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but if I'm Julie Klausner, I'm not, I'm not getting paid like I am. Yeah. I'm just gonna say that. You're not hosting the Smash Reunion. <laughs> is that happening well it happened oh <laughs> yeah damn i missed it i watched yeah. one whole episode of that show Ugh. uh well let's see did julie klausner talk about hot rod no that's my next pick oh uh, now my, ear, my ears perked <laughs> <laughs> marks up <laughs> this is from uh or where did i watch this i don't remember i think Amazon. i don't know well, no, I'm not in your it, hand. it's on netflix i know that it's on netflix i don't think i watched it on netflix though i think interesting I up. 
Um, and anyway, maybe I did. But anyway, this is uh, Andy Samberg. Um, I think Lonely Island people might have their hand in this. I'm not entirely sure. Well, they're they're both in this, so it's possible. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is uh, from 2006. Very early Andy Samberg, early Lonely Island. And um, he, Andy Samberg plays a stuntman who, or kind of a wannabe stuntman. Yeah. He's kind of like a man-child yeah. um, whose stepfather is on his deathbed. He's, he's kind of, he's, he's dying, he's passing away. And um, Andy Samberg's character never got respect from his stepdad. No um, respect at all. <laughs> they would often like fight each other um, <laughs> physically. And Andy Samberg would just not stand a chance against this guy. But uh, Andy was all, always thinking that if he was able to overpower him one time, that he would finally have his, his stepdad's respect. Um, but that doesn't happen. And now his stepdad is dying. So Andy Samberg's mission uh, for this whole movie is to raise enough money. Uh, it's $50,000 to pay for the surgery that his stepdad needs so that his stepdad could live a little while longer and so that Andy Samberg could beat up his stepdad. So the whole time, the whole time, the motivation that you're seeing in this movie is like um, Andy Samberg saying to his dad, his dad's like, no, you don't need to raise the money. You don't have to. I'm going to be, just don't worry about it. And Andy Samberg's like, no, I'm going to raise that money so much. And I'm, afterwards, you're going to be so fine. You're going to be perfectly healthy. And then I'm going to beat your ass. <laughs> and you're finally going to respect me. It, it's such a brilliant premise. <laughs> it, it really is a great premise. He's trying to save this man's life only so he could uh, make him suffer once he's back in good health. I got I got to tell you, I almost picked this movie uh, the last time around. I think it was before... What was what was the last movie? It wasn't it wasn't um, Looney Tunes, but it was a movie before that I think that we watched. But um, Scott Pilgrim? No, 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 no. The, the one I was gonna pick um, prior. Uh, uh, I forget. Blanking. But uh, yeah, it it was gonna be this movie, but I wasn't sure if you guys were gonna like it. Oh, nice. <laughs> Good mean, choice. I would not have liked this. It, it's it's very absurdist. I will yes. say. Uh, but. My- I, I'm a little bit mixed on this movie. It is good. I did enjoy it overall, but I I wish it got absurdist more quickly because uh, the first half is kind of more of a slow burn. Some of the jokes don't land all that well, and uh, it, it really it just pales in comparison to what it becomes in the second half when they really just decide to go all out on like the craziness and the bonkersness and like the subversions of all the all the tropes and cliches mm-hmm. so it, it does take a little while to get there like really when the movie was starting i was like the premise is good the premise is very solid but there's not much more to latch on to but if you stick with it definitely by the end you'll you'll be in a good spot i i think and th- there are touches of it in the beginning like when andy sandberg falls down his falls down like a mountain oh, the whole dance sequence from <laughs> Uh, what was it? They they kind of mock um, Footloose, where he goes into the forest and starts like raving, yes. and then there's and then it just cuts to him just falling down a mountain continuously for yeah. like a, a solid almost two minutes. There are like there's like twenty different shots of him 
of him or a dummy or a stuntman or a stunt double <laughs> falling down this mountain. And they're just, you know, like all spliced together. Which then, well. it can, then it cuts to like, like him realizing how he's going to raise that money. <laughs> I don't I, I, see before that it's paced throughout the movie, but it's also like the dialogue too. Like that's like, that comes from like Bill Hader and like Danny McBride. That's that, that could be taken a little bit as dry humor, mm-hmm. but like, like that, that for me kind of like amplifies the hilarity of it just because of how silly it is. Like what they're right. saying. I don't know. I remember being sold by it from, from the trailers, especially like, <laughs> Uh, even even the rest of the characters that are there in the background like there's the one guy that keeps dancing at the at the yeah. pool but also like when they're trying to sell the events uh, <laughs> one it's just the montage of him like like <laughs> like hurting himself when they're at the movie theater uh, i don't know it it's just very silly it's very it's very wacky <laughs> and and i i appreciate the movie for for taking the lengths that it goes i don't think it was yeah. very successful when it came out but uh yeah, I don't it's, think so either. But it, 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 it's still one of my favorite movies to go back and watch. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. I could see myself uh, gearing up for a rewatch of this at some point. And, um, no comment. <laughs> some of the dialogue. Yeah, I mean, um, when I was in college, a couple of friends really were into this movie. And I never got around to watching it with them, but they would quote it sometimes. And uh, one friend would kind of quote the scene where Bill Hader's, I guess, sister was asking if... He they wanted want some grape juice or something. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, don't even ask, just bring it. Yeah, yeah. don't just stare at me. Go. <laughs> uh, and it's good. It's, yeah, that delivery is great. It's just stupid lines of dialogue that really sell it for me. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, or even, even when he takes acid. <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep, that is uh, that is hot rod. I do recommend it. You know, especially if you're into that absurdist kind of humor. If you, if you like Andy Samberg, you'll like hot rod. It's definitely an Andy Samberg type movie. Yeah. Um, next we got next. And finally we got the hustle. Uh, uh, this one was a uh, poor, this one, this one was bad. Um, this is Anne Hathaway and rebel Wilson. Uh, uh, we, knew, we knew this movie wasn't good going into it. This is yes. from a 20, early 2019. I think it has like a 13% on rotten tomatoes. Um, basically the two of them are con artists, but they don't work together. They're like kind of working against each other because, uh, this town isn't big enough for two con artists Hmm. and it's not all that funny. It does have its moments of like very slight cleverness and, and things that make me chuckle. Definitely. Um, but a lot of it kind of falls apart in the third act. Um, I think they were trying to go for something kind of bold and kind of daring, because um, without the twists that happen, it, it does feel kind of generic, but it feels kind of like the movie that you you expected and you kind of wanted to see by that point. What I mean is that um, at the end, like by the second act, going into the third act, these two con artists have kind of made a bet that um, they have one mark and they have to whoever gets $500,000 from this mark uh, basically is the winner. And the other one has to leave wherever they are entirely um, has to like leave the area, I guess. And so rubber Wilson's character is like doing pretty well with this mark. They're like getting along very well. They seem like very into each other uh, romantically as well. It feels like nobody like gets 
gets them the way these two do when they're with each other. So uh, it does feel pretty romantic. And then the third act reveals that the guy Rebel Wilson was kind of falling for is himself a con artist. Mm -hmm. And he cons Rebel Wilson and Anne Hathaway both. (laughs) And then he leaves on a plane and they think that's the last they see of him. But then he comes back randomly like a week or two later pulling off kind of a new con with a, with another group of people that he's trying to fool. And they, they just reunite these three con artists and they, he like convinces them to be a team. So now you have this like team of con artists and I don't know, maybe it's like setting up for a sequel, but it just really doesn't, it feels unearned and it feels kind of like a betrayal of the movie we thought we were getting, um, which could have been kind of, kind of clever if it were executed well, but it just, it really wasn't. A lot of it fell flat and, uh, yeah, I just did not end up really enjoying this much. It sounds like a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, but worse. Oh yes, actually it is. I believe kind of like a reimagining of Mm -hmm. that. I think that's how they marketed it. A far superior film slash musical. <laughs> but yeah, no, this just was not, this was not it. Um, oh, there's something I wanted to mention. Oh yeah. Uh, pretty much uh, a lot of what my kind of criticism boils down to is that the movie kind of depends on these con artists being able to read people and, you know, pulling off their cons successfully by anticipating like how people are going to react to certain things. But the problem with the movie is that the people, their marks, their targets are acting in such unusual ways that are not really realistic or practical. So it feels like the whole thing kind of falls apart just with like the premise. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I, I really don't think this movie was handled in, it was put into capable hands of, of people who, you know, could just craft like a realistic, like a practical story. Uh, and yeah, that third act really just kind of killed it for me. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> made me dock off at least like half a point or a point. So uh, not into it. I can't really say I recommend it. Not all that funny, not really uh, worth it. And that's it for my movie phone. All right. Thank God. Two more segments to go. Matt, you know what's up, baby? I got nothing for trotting the boards. I I do not see musicals or plays. I, got, I also well, don't have anything for trotting the boards. I have one thing, and I can blow through it really fast. All right, no. speak. Um, this past Tuesday, I took part in a uh, reading of William Shakespeare's Measure for Measure. Measure uh, for Measure. This was in a. Uh, um, relation to uh t squared productions company which is a theater company that's uh here in uh you know local new jersey i've worked with a lot of these people before uh this was d- directed by uh tom frascator um you know and, uh, we we made use of uh the, the zoom app and uh we were in use of a uh, uh, its own uh twitch channel as well um so since uh, you know coronavirus has kind of like shut down theater altogether um, th- they've been doing Tuesday uh, night readings, usually around seven o'clock, and uh, yeah, yeah, we, we we had a dis- we had a decent uh, viewing party uh, over at Twitch. Um, so I think the next one they might do, I think the one th- 
before this, it did uh, Chekhov's, uh, uh, was it, uh, Chekhov's Three Sisters, I think it was. Yes. yes. And and um, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I I had a small part to play here. You know, not too big. I was kind of contacted last minute. They must might have just been filling a role, but uh, no, it, it it went off without a hitch. You know, no technical issues whatsoever. And uh, I forget the next one that, that they might they might be doing here. I'm on their. Let's see. Uh, June second is uh, next Tuesday. Uh, da, 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 da. They'll be doing four thousand miles by uh, Amy Herzog. Mm. So uh, that that that'll be at um, let's see, nineteen hundred hours. So yeah, I think um, seven seven p.m. Eastern time, and uh, yeah, it should should be should be a, a, a nice time, nice viewing party. So uh, yeah, and, and you know, check out their website over at. Uh, tsquareproductions.org uh, for, for more and uh, more listed readings they'll, they'll be doing in the future. So yeah, I just want to give them a nice shout out as well. It was nice to work, uh, uh, keep doing some theater, especially since it's been a while. I would have uh, had a couple of shows go up by this time as well. And so, yeah, just trying to keep theater alive in, Same. in, in these, uh, in these um, unfortunate circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Disney really pulled the carpet out from frozen on Broadway too. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, that was unexpected. Yikes! Oh well. <laughs> maybe they'll have Frozen Two on Broadway. Maybe, maybe, but what's theater? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this brings us to our last segment. Oh, it's Disc time to get jockey. the boxing gloves out, <laughs> Ooh, baby. Where we talk Come. about uh, music from the past couple weeks. Yeah. Oh. Well, Mark, I, I obligate that you have to go first. I do well, I do have a couple things to, to talk about here. Maybe Matt or even you, John, might have listened to. Um, first one I'll talk about is uh, uh, Haley Williams' uh, new solo album, and that's uh, Pedals yeah. for Armor. Yep. Um, I will, I'll say it's okay. I think it's a good first attempt at doing a solo outing for her. Um there's a lot of inspiration that's taken here. I think she, I think that's also um, kind of like she takes inspiration from the people that she's worked with alongside uh, churches. Um, uh, she's, you know, she's kind of good friends with them. You know, she's been on tour with them. Um, and there's a little bit of, um, I want to say Tom York in this as well. Oh, I, I kind of hear, and that's, it's, that's, a little bit from like some of her kind of monotone uh, tracks I hear uh, like throughout the throughout the album, and uh, even sound. You know, there, there's a lot of electronical stuff here I can hear. Um, that's uh, you know, uh, like I said, a little bit more inspira- inspiration from uh, from churches. But uh, I lyric wise, I don't think it's very well structured. You know, I, there's there's not a lot of take here you know i i can't really hear a track on this album say like i want to go back and re-listen to that which is unfortunate because i really do like Haley william Haley uh, williams i still i'm still listening to Par- paramore um it's it's i don't know i'm i'm not a big fan of this album i um you know it's i think with time uh um there'll be some uh, some better songs from her on her own in the future but i don't I don't know. I'm I'm not crazy about it. I don't hate it, but you know, it's 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 just it's just okay. I think, in my opinion. Um, next one up here is uh, the new album from the 1975 Notes Ooh. on a uh, Conditional Form. Didn't know this was out. Nice. 
Yeah, um, it it's kind of what you expect from a 1975 album at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's got a lot of that heavy. You know, like uh, I don't know what how I want to call it. You know, it's 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 some 80s inspired. You know, like uh, in- instrumental stuff that's going on here. It's it's got that same. Uh, structure of like how they kind of started off with uh, their opening song being titled the 19 1975 but uh it's it's got some instrumental playing uh, over um who's that uh, the girl that that's been making the rounds greta greta thumberg yes that's that's correct that where that she's it's uh they take one of her um kind of inspirational uh speeches about change how we need the change, and uh, you know, it's 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 a good piece. I mean, it's it's a, it's a good uh, speech to uh, to take away from. Um, they're they're, it's definitely showing that they're more getting more political with their uh, with their music as well. Um, again, here same with uh, Haley Williams' um, uh, new album. I can't see another like hit song that I can take away from here. Uh, one thing I like to note is that they're they're adding a lot of like more swears in their music here, but it almost feels unnecessary. Like the the second track here, uh, "People," there's a lot of repetition that's going on lyric wise, and it, they're, it's just like they're just saying "fuck" the whole time, and, and it's like, oh, are they saying like "fuck the people"? But you know, I'm I'm kind of lost, you know, and and yeah, I I don't really I can't see a lot of songs here i would like want to go back and say like yeah yeah that sounds cool that sounds awesome where like their last album I'll, you know i was just listening to um love it if we made it and uh give yourself a try which is like some of the first earlier tracks from that album and, and those are bops i like to uh, i like to you know like kind of like nod my head top tap my foot to where this one i'm just kind of like i'm kind of waiting for some of their songs to just be over and there's 22 tracks on this oh my god it's 80 <laughs> minutes long Jeez. altogether that's a monster and and, yeah. I, and i i can't help but think where it's like maybe some of these songs could have been cuts maybe they could have been like bonus tracks uh, but i'm i don't know i'm not i'm not vibing with it this time damn uh, which is, you know, it's that's another unfortunate thing because I like the 1975. I think they're pretty cool. I like listening to like uh, their last couple albums. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, kind of, kind of, a, kind of a letdown, kind of a disappointment for me. Oh, yeah, well, that's a shame. Yeah, but we'll see what happens. They're pretty uh, prolific, so we'll probably hear from them again in a year or two. Very true. in 1976. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All That's right. all I got. That every, yep. All uh, right. well, the, um, the only entry on my list is uh, one that John is. All right. Well, on. you better save it then, because I got a few. I I gotta get up on my soapbox today, and I gotta talk all about right. music. <laughs> um, I'm gonna make it quick. So I have three main entries on my list. Obviously, we're gonna end with our our big finale that I've been waiting to go head to head with Matt over for no apparent reason. <laughs> Uh, the first thing is a song entitled Think About Things, which is by Dayul Freyer, who was a Eurovision contestant. Eurovision has been canceled this year due to coronavirus. Um, but this song is a fucking bop. It's from the Icelandic team behind Dayul Freyer, and it's been nonstop on my iPod on repeat. It is so good. It's like techno love ballad. I love it. They would have won Eurovision if it hadn't been canceled. Oh, nice. um, my next, 
Yeah, you, you really should, because I have a feeling that you're going to love this song. Um, disc jockeys, our segment continues, of course. I mean, I'm just reading my notes, I'm sorry. I have uh, Orville Peck's new EP, Show Pony, comes out on June 12th. Oh, nice. Um, uh, we know summertime has been blasting over the radio waves <laughs> for mm. seeming like months now, but his new song, No Glory in the West, which references um, McCabe and Miss Miller, which I just watched for no reason. <laughs> came out and it's another gem i love me some orville peck nice and then lastly and of course i i have to discuss this um my girl <laughs> lady gaga she put out her new sixth album sixth studio album chromatica and um i don't know how to go about this i have good news and i have bad news which do you want to hear first oh boy i guess uh- bad news so we could end on a good note Oh, the bad news is I don't know what other Lady Gaga album I'm going to listen to because Chromatica is good news. The best album she's ever put out. Oh, shit. See what I did there? Mm. <laughs> nice. uh, Chromatica is a gem. It is bop upon bop upon bop. She gave us a dance album that we've wanted for years. She has returned to her roots. It's like art pop part two and our pop is very underappreciated i love our pop as a, a stand of lady gaga this this album has been on repeat in my house i've listened to it at least 70 times in the past 48 hours it it's amazing i i can't go it's just so good like i hmm. i fucking love it yeah it's crazy that she went so long since uh you know her last like pop album yeah it's been like seven years i think yeah, we get uh, Elton John, we get Blackpink, we get Ariana Grande featuring on it, and yeah, that... it is a smooth 43 minutes. It's crazy. <laughs> that Blackpink uh, feature, I was not expecting. Sour Candy? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, so this album, to me, it is solid. Mm. I, I give it, uh, I think I give it, well, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give it six pizza slices out of eight. <laughs> Out of eight. Out of eight. Uh, we're doing traditional pies. And, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's... I so I guess it's kind of a concept album, right? Oh, okay. yeah, definitely. It, it's, it's the most cinematic album she's had because she has, like, these interludes that are very classical. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm all for. And these transitions are bops. I, I can't. The transitions between uh, Chromatica 2 and uh, 911. 911. Mm. And uh, Chromatica three and uh, and sign above, one. yeah, yeah. Uh, those are fantastic. Those are really damn good. Really well. See, done. but my favorite transition is actually Chromatica one and Alice because Alice is my favorite track on the album. Ooh, well, I could I I could sense that you were singing it prior to recording. <laughs> yeah, you might have picked uh, up on the clues. <laughs> yeah, and I. I think those Chromatica tracks would be my favorites on the album if they were, you know, full length. But um, because those are like really great to hear. I really love yeah. those string interludes. Uh, oh, like I love them a lot. If it makes you feel better when she performs this live, they're gonna be full length because <laughs> that's yeah. always what she does. Nice. And um, but I think my favorite track is uh, "Rain on Me," the Ariana oh. Grande feature. Wow! Because I think this this track really finds uh, Lady Gaga really finds the production of this album like fully embracing that like '90s techno house, yeah, 
Mule. I really got Daft Punk vibes from this track, at least from like the chorus uh, instrumentation. And yeah, I think it's this this track is the standout. It is great. Um, although I do also like, I really like Nine One One as well. I think that's yeah. my uh, runner up for favorite track. Um, there's plastic. I just keep thinking of like I keep thinking of like the GIF transitions from like nine one one. It's like someone getting in a car accident and then the drop hits. <laughs> it's it's well, kind of hilarious. That. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm Scarlett Johansson from Marriage Story, just dancing <laughs> to this whole fucking album. So I'm obsessed with it. It is. It is a solid album. I'm really I, I'm really glad we got it. I think I'm gonna listen to it uh, at least a few more times. <laughs> um and it is like yeah it's just full of so many numbers you can dance to it's yeah. it's a super dancey album um perfect for the club and yeah that uh what was i gonna say that uh 911 is the runner-up track oh yeah plastic doll oh yeah, the, yeah i, I really love them thinking, all i really kept thinking this was russian doll yeah. <laughs> when, when i <laughs> when i like looked at the track listing um this one's this one is is good. I like it. I like the lyrics. Um, it really feels like a like a counter or kind of another side of uh, Aqua's Barbie Girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted to say like the lyrics are they're very sad when the the tone is very happy. So you get that disconnect between them. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, and I love that. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the tracks on this album. I, I think the second third of this album like the second act i guess between chromatica 2 and chromatica 3 that's really when it started to like uh form kind of a cohesive whole to me because i think my favorite track uh rayomi i think it's in the first act between chromatica 1 and 2 um but you know despite that i will say kind of the lyrics in this first act are they they weren't really doing it for me they they Mm. felt a little kind of generic um like they didn't have much of a message going for it so i wasn't really like i I wasn't bopping along mentally to to the tracks on that part yet but then the second act really embraces like more things about um kind of like mental health or like well-being and Mm -hmm. trying to trying to get that well-being um so that i i globbed on to more um but i i will say I, I would rate this album higher. I was kind of in, hoping I would rate it higher going into it because I was expecting more from the Chromatica concept mm. that I think is mostly in the music videos and probably her live shows, probably on the tour. But Definitely. we don't we don't really get like much of an insight into it just from the album. And that's you all want I'm more glowing about. space buttholes? We got them for you. Don't worry. She gonna she gonna she gonna pay forward. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, see, like, we don't get any of that from the music itself. <laughs> um, and I don't think I'm going to, like, check out the music videos or, or check <gasps> out a tour or anything. Oh, but they're so weeby. She's just running around being a weeb. This is the weeb album. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't usually check out music videos all that often. Oh. And, you know, I, I don't really go to stadium live shows <laughs> very, like, like, probably a handful of times in my life. So... It feels like as a person just listening to the album, like if this is all I have to go off of, I'm left wanting more. Like I wish she put more of that world into the the actual physical record. Mm. Um, but I appreciate that she's kind of like taking this multimedia, like this multifaceted approach. I just kind of, you know, I feel like I'm missing out 
by not being as much of a fan, which is fair. But, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just would have wanted to see a little bit more of that concept bleed through to the music. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I just think it's the best that I've... I mean, not best, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Gaga stan since high school. Mm-hmm. Since uh, Just Dance and Paparazzi, or Papa Beat Me, as uh, my parody <laughs> song went. <laughs> uh, so I've always loved Gaga, but it's just it's so so refreshing to see her address these themes in a dancey fucking album that's under 43 minutes. She's like, I know what I'm going to give them. I'm going to give them just that, and they're going to want more, but we're going to be good. So I, I appreciate her so much during this quarantine time. Yeah, good runtime, good pace, and I really I like that she's, you know, putting herself out there with, with the lyrics that come in on like the second half of the album and uh, mm. and the musicality, like those chromatica interludes are wonderful. I love them. I want to see more of that. Yeah. I, I even want to see more of that, like in the music itself, um, like in the in the actual pop tracks. That would be cool. Mm. Uh, one thing that's interesting is in the Elton John song in "Sign from Sign Above." Above. Sign from Sign Above. Above. Yeah. Um, I don't really like Ellen John singing on this track, honestly. I gotta say. I like him because he's like, there was her. Well, he gets like two lines. He's the yeah. only male voice on the album. He's like, there was a sign from above. And that that's all we hear from Elton. And I think the reason for that is, I, I think initially he had like a whole verse to himself. Uh, but it probably didn't sound very good on the record. I don't know if it's just a production, but I don't know if it fell off to me. But then when he's duetting with Lady Gaga, which I think mm-hmm. came afterwards, it was kind yeah. of an afterthought. Like Gaga was probably like, hey, I, we can make this sound better if yeah. I put my voice on it and we duet. Once that kicks in, it it, it is good. It's solid. And then it has like a, a crazy drum and bass. Oh, out. yeah. that It like descends into fucking techno hell for a yeah. second. Which, um, which... Sounds like a Spider-Man soundtrack up in there. (laughs) It is. It's very like 90s, very uh, 90s IDM, which is cool. Kind of like Aphex Twin or, or yeah, just like jungle drum and bass stuff, which I really like. But it did feel a little out of place. And I I kind of would want to see it um, integrated a bit better. But it was still really cool to hear on this album. Wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting it at all. I don't think anyone was. Hmm. But uh, yeah, those are my thoughts on it. It's it's a solid record, and I'm gonna go back to it a lot. Yeah. I just kind of wish uh, the lyrics had a bit more to them, especially in that first half. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I feel like Art Pop is still my fave, but this is sneaking up on it. So Chromatica <laughs> might be my fave real soon. But I'm glad you listened to it. Oh yeah, definitely. All right, I think Woo! our meeting is adjourned. Yes, that ends the marathon of. Uh, this Amuse Bouche episode for May thirtieth, twenty twenty. Way to date us. <laughs> well, we're gonna you're gonna put it up today anyway. <laughs> but um, all right, I guess we should uh, let the audience know where they could find you guys. All right, you can find me, Jonathan Gwakowski, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram, Drink and Read JK on Twitter, or you can find my other podcast, Anime Was Not a Mistake, currently watching Mobile G Gundam. We're having a retrospective along with Revolutionary Girl Uchna, so we welcome you. We hope you join. Please join. We love you all. <laughs> uh, you could follow me over on Instagram, over at Junior, or over on Twitter at Man Who Wears Hats. And you could follow me, Matt Cabrera. I, uh, w- the SpaceX launch went well. It's oh. about T plus uh, ten, tw- uh, 40 minutes since that happened. And you um, thought we'd be done beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it did. Well, we, we encountered 
technical issues. <laughs> and thankfully, that did not happen to uh, the spacecraft, the rocket oh. ship. Um, so, you know, hot on the heels of this announcement, um, SpaceX has revealed that they've greenlit another uh, ride to space. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to be manning the vehicle. Uh, they're going to be driving me in a, a Ford F-150 pickup truck. Normally, they only do this with dummies, but I'm going to be behind the wheel and I'm going to drive that baby into space. <laughs> and we're doing this to raise money for uh, for uh, my stepdad's. Uh, uh, he needs a he needs a new sixty five inch OLED TV. So oh. you know, we're raising the funds for that. Well, I'm glad the money is going to a good place, Matthew. <laughs> and I, I hope you guys can make it. Mm. And uh, we have to remember next week is our episode with Matt's only tease of isolation. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not a good tease. It's not a good hint. But um, it could be anything. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, please stay tuned for that. Or you know, well, it's, it'll be the next episode. So please keep listening to our show. Thank you for joining us. This has been Nightcaps at the Theater, and. Um, we're blasting off again. Thank you for joining us for another installment of Nightcaps at the Theater. Special thanks to the Free Music Archive for providing the track Four Way by William Ross Chernoff's Nomads, an edited version of which you're hearing now. We at Nightcaps sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode. If that's the case, or even if it's not, please remember to rate our show on iTunes and leave a review. It really means a lot. Good night, and binge responsibly.